0: This is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. It's, it's quite a nice day out there this morning. It's not bad. It'll do. I'll have some of that, please. Yes, thank you very much. I hope you had a nice weekend. I, to be honest, I don't care. Mine was so lovely. That, uh, no, I don't. Mine was so lovely that I've be- become all selfish and horrible and had such a fantastic time. I shall bore you with it later on. Uh, lots coming up this morning. Uh, as always, keen to get your uh, thoughts and opinions on various bits and pieces, including we'll have the latest... On the hospital fire that caused chaos for the uh, for Stoke Mandeville at the weekend, 53 patients had to be evacuated following the blaze that started at four, uh, 4.20 on Saturday morning. The Shadow Chancellor, Ed Balls, will say later today that the annual winter fuel allowance should be withheld from wealthier pensioners. Well, is it time Better Off pensioners lost their winter fuel payment? And Justin Dilly has uh, posed a very difficult dilemma for us all this morning. Partly, what is he doing, still having a job? But the second one is: if you had a pound in your pocket, who would you be more likely to give it to—a busker or a beggar? Lots of ways to get in touch: Facebook.com/forward/slash/ BBC3CR, where you'll be able to see a short little video of me busking. Uh, I used to go busking when I was younger. That was rubbish. A bloke threatened to punch me in the face once. I don't think that's a good uh, a good indicator, is it? You can send me a text 81333, start your text 3CR, or you can give me a phone call 08459 455
1: 555. Across beds, hearts and bucks.
2: This is BBC Three Counties Radio.
0: Now, a ward in Stoke Mandeville Hospital remains closed as investigation work takes place to determine what caused a fire there on Saturday. 53 patients had to be evacuated, and the Accident and Emergency Department was forced to run a reduced service. Well, Tara Gungafall has more. Tara, what happened?
3: Well, the cause of the fire, as you say, is still unknown. But what we do know is that the Buckinghamshire Fire and Rescue Service were called to an incident at Stoke Mandeville Hospital at a horrible hour in the morning, especially for patients who are in bed and and not feeling particularly great. It was at 4.20 on Saturday morning. And initially three wards were closed so the fire was contained in just one of those wards and that was Ward 4. Now as you mentioned 53 patients were evacuated and moved to different parts of the hospital and three of those had to be treated for smoke inhalation and we're told that one of those patients has also sustained minor injuries to their hands. What have the fire service been saying? Well, it was a pretty major incident for the fire service with around 40 firefighters in attendance at its peak, so that's quite big. Mm. Um, And they say that Ward 4, which is where the fire started, has been damaged uh, roughly by about 20% by fire and 100% by smoke. Now, we've been told that fire crews worked to contain that blaze um, and they were simultaneously evacuating staff and patients, so quite a complicated procedure, but it's the sort of thing they're trained for. And Jeff Bottle, who's group manager at Buckinghamshire Fire and Rescue has said that firefighters regularly visit hospitals so that in these rare occasions they can quickly assess the situation and put a plan in place, which is obviously what they've done here. And we'll speak to Jeff later for the latest on the investigation into what actually caused that fire.
0: And what's the situation like now?
3: Well, in the most recent statement on their website, the Buckinghamshire Healthcare Trust say that Stoke Mandeville has stepped down from a major incident and has now returned to business as usual. However, Ward 4, which we know has got all the damage, um... It will remain closed for the next few weeks, and that's to allow investigators to discover the exact cause of the fire and for any necessary repairs as well. Now, we'll have a better idea of how long the ward will be closed and what effect this has for patients in the coming weeks when we speak to the Chief Executive of Buckinghamshire NHS Health Trust, Anne Eden, later in the programme, on more specifically you'll be speaking to. Us. Oh, thank you
0: very much. I look forward to that, Tara. Thank you very much indeed. 08459 double five five double five. If you or anyone you know was at the... Uh Soak Mandeville this weekend, do give us a call let us know um, what it was like Morning, this is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio Oh, that was professional, wasn't it? <laughs> I know, I know Listen, it's Monday ten past six Your fate, first day back at work after the weekend, you're not going to be perfect, are you? You drop things, you kind of you can't log the computer. it's all stuff so just bear with me man. One of those Oh eight four five nine 555 double, five, double, five is the telephone number facebook.com forward slash bbc3cr if you go to the facebook page in a couple of minutes you'll see a video of me busking we've got a, a, a great a cracking piece from uh, justin dearly coming up a bit later on if you've got a quid in your pocket do you give it to a busker or a beggar <laughs> and we're laying down listen i went busking when i was younger i don't think i'm trying to think I've only ever seen one good busker, and that was in Paris, and it was a group of people that were so good I bought their CD, Cabaret Slave. It was all kind of like gypsy music. It was fantastic. Apart from that, I've never seen a good busker. They're all rubbish. I don't need to hear All Along the Watchtower or Bob Marley or anything like that when I'm trying to catch a train. So the challenge is, if you're a busker, we're here in Luton, we have an open door kind of you have to buzz i mean not literally but metaphorically we have an open door let's not get too carried away with the door thing if you're a busker and you think you're half decent you can come and uh, be on the show this morning if you turn up before nine o'clock i bet we can't find a decent busker in the three counties not because the three counties lacks talent but because there are no decent buskers in the world there aren't any they're not don't pull that face there's none Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. So I did this. There's this new thing called glamping. Have you heard of glamping? Have you been glamping? This is what I did at the weekend. Have you heard of glamping? Oh, it's good. It's like camping, but it's glamorous. They've combined the word glamorous. uh, I know me and camping to come up with glamping. This was my pre-birthday surprise that my boys had arranged. Um, We went glamping at Leeds Castle. We turned up this fantastic kind of massive double tent. Now, the thing, I've never liked camping, because you've got to sleep on the floor and it's cold and it's, oh, it's horrible. There was a four-poster bed in this tent! How glamorous is that? A four-poster bed in the tent? There was a wood burner in there. Now, listen, normally I would say don't have fires in tents, but this one was superb. Uh, We had a four-poster bed, we had a cot for the baby, we had a a camp bed for the uh, eldest boy, which, for some reason, I ended up sleeping in on Saturday night. I don't quite know how that happened. And then we spent the weekend just wandering around Leeds Castle, a little bit of archery, watching a little bit of jousting, going on a... It was superb. Absolutely superb. Glamping. But the thing is, we've spoiled it now. For my boys, three years and 16 months, they can never go in a proper tent, because they'll be saying, well, where's the the four-poster bed? where's the carpet there was carpet in a tent there was carpet in there wonderful we had barbecues and everything superb anyway oh wait double five five double five should we have a quick look at some of the front pages of the newspapers not all of them we'll, we'll do um actually let's do it the other way around let's do the express the mail and the sun shall we we'll do the big ones later yeah let's, uh, let's break it with convention it's break with convention monday isn't it? Um, drug. Oh, the, here we go. The Daily Mail. They've cleverly combined two stories without you knowing they've combined two stories. That's what they do. So there's brave Angelina Jolie at the premiere of World War Z. Is World War Z. I refuse, as some uh, broadcasters were calling it yesterday, World War Z. Uh, it's in Britain. We're in Britain. We say Z. I know it means the alphabet song doesn't quite scan properly, but tough, kids, is Z. So there's Angelina Jolie at the premiere of World War Z. And then Hope for Thousands, inspiration from Double Op Star Drug can halve risk of breast cancer returning. The Express have also got Angelina Jolie at the premiere of World War Z. Which I'm quite looking forward to. It's had terrible reviews, but that, if there was a double bill of that and the Liberace film, I'll have some of that, please. I'll go and see both of those films. Michael Douglas, of course, very poorly. Have you seen what he's blamed his, uh, his mouth cancer on? Can't, I can't even say it on the radio. I don't, know, I don't know. I had to look the word up in the dictionary. I got a shock when I saw what it meant. I didn't know it had a proper name. Daily Express. Migrants face new ban on benefits. Migrants are to face tougher rules before they can claim benefits. It emerged last night. Well, w- good. And The Sun. There's more Angelina Jolie at the premiere of World War Z. And we will arrest Talisa, say cops Star to be quizzed over cocaine deal. I missed, apparently this was a big story at the weekend. I missed this because I was glamping. Didn't have newspapers glamping. Talisa faces arrest within days after the sun exposed her setting up a naughty cocaine deal. Police said yes, Well, There you go. I forgot to, to mention a, a romance developed over the weekend as well. I'll tell you about that later on. My little boy. My three-year-old boy was in bed with another woman. What on earth was going on there? Uh, Now, on to slightly more serious things. Changes to the benefits which can be claimed by people with disabilities come into force today. Any new claimants who used to receive disability living allowance will now have to apply for PIPs, personal independence payments. Uh, Well, I'm confused, uh, so hopefully to explain more, we can talk to Mick Dillon from the Disability Resource Centre in Dunstable. Morning, Mick. Good morning. What information can you give to people about these changes?
4: Well, it's been, uh, over the last year, there's been a lot of confusion... Uh, And I think if we can look at the facts rather than the fears, I think that would be helpful because now it's beginning to clear. Uh, From uh, information we have next week, uh, anyone between 16 and 64 applying for disability benefit, the old DLA, living allowance as it used to be called, will automatically be going on to PIP. Now, that immediately means something's different, something's changing. Uh, PIP is personal independence payment and intrinsically it's the same as disability living allowance but there are some subtle changes you should expect. The government do have an agenda to reduce the number of people taking up benefits and if I tell you there's a thousand people a week taking up DLA Mm. and there's about I don't know, two and a half million people uh, taking DLA in the country. You can imagine the scale of it. That's only half compared to the number of people on housing benefit, but it's a massive process. They want to save 20 billion. Uh, There's no secret in that as well. Uh, And PIP has two components of daily living uh, and two mobility components. DLA had three Mm. care components. uh, And it's standard and enhanced. And what it's doing for the first time is looking at not just all the tasks of daily living, for example, which is, you know... Uh, The ability to cook food, nutrition, manage budgets, you know, communicate with people, uh, a whole day-to-day activities and engagement. Uh, But it's also allowing other factors, other uh, experts and professionals to contribute to your case. So it can be your carer, it can be a health professional who's actually seen you with a disability uh, sometimes struggle or try to hide how you do things. With a disability, you convince yourself you can manage and you get by, but is it being done in safe, timely fashions, etc.? So for the first time, other factors, other people's evidence, if you like, can be contributing Mm. towards the pit. Is this partly to stop people swinging the lead? Uh, Yeah, DLA was while it's valuable and, and supports a lot of people as I've said it, going back probably 20 years plus it was not quite given away with a packet of mm. smarties but it was really not very robust and people were giving lifetime awards who probably shouldn't. There are some people who
0: uh, with the ch- this change in benefits who are worried that they're just not going to quite meet that criteria and lose out when they do actually need it or their condition is variable so they you know, they might be really good one week
4: and then with something like MS if it gets really really yeah. hot then they slump. Back. well again for the first time what, what uh pip will do is actually consider your ability uh, and your disability over a 12 month period right so it will look retrospective but also forward as well uh, and that's important as you say for fluctuating conditions uh, and various things so it's looking at the bigger picture um, we always say to people look at your worst case so don't underestimate what you can and can't do but you know you have to be honest but look at the worst case as well and then create this picture, build up this profile with other family members and carers, personal assistants, uh, medical people, it could be district nurse coming in, to contribute to your picture if you like, the yep. understanding of how you really manage. Um, and then there'll be a, a series of either questionnaires, face-to-face interviews for the assessors to understand the situation. Now, it's a points-based system. One of the key things, and I suppose there's a clue in how to apply Appropriately, if that makes sense, that there are little caveats for all of this, and it's about can you do the various tasks? And there's about ten of them for daily living, and and for for mobility, it's about preparing and planning for mobilising and then actually moving around as well, with or without gadgets, uh, uh, equipment, wheelchairs, etc. But it's about actually you know looking at the whole series of point systems, and 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 then it can be actually put together. ATOS are going to be doing the local uh, assessments. Now, that word may strike fear into some people, but we really have to look at the, the facts, not the fears. I think that's really important about what the decisions are. Ultimately, Department of Work and Pensions take responsibility. Their adjudicators take responsibility, and there will be an appeals process. But, you know, for the first time, it's looking at the much bigger picture of, of okay. how disability impacts.
0: Put your headphones on, uh, Mick, because we've got Donald in High Wycombe. Good morning, Donald.
5: Morning. Donald, what's what's your story? Um, r- my wife, approximately um, uh, 15 years ago, had a stroke. Um, was then also six months after diagnosed with epilepsy because of the stroke. Um, he's obviously just, she was given a indefinite, an assess- uh, indefinite award on her DLA. Um, and yet, pretty much every three years she has to go through an assessment and the stress of not knowing whether her benefits are going to change is quite detrimental to her because it can can bring on a fit. Um, And bear in mind she's worked so hard to get her license um, and it, it takes so much out of her when when she when she has these assessments and she's waiting for this um, for for the award to come through. Oh, it's a stressful it's a stressful
0: period, isn't it? That that, that whole yeah. not quite knowing. Uh, it, are you both worried, Donald, that with the introduction of PIPs that she might lose out on her benefits?
5: Well, she has just had an assessment, right? Um, literally in the last. A couple of months, and literally last week received a letter saying that everything's at the right level. Okay. I don't know whether it's for these for this pips or or what, but um, they, they they did an assessment. Someone came out, um, and well, it's just
0: what happened in uh, the investment, Donald. How did it work?
5: I, I, I unfortunately I wasn't there because right. I had to be out on, on a job. Yeah, um, but. It, I, It was it was just a case I think with certain illnesses that things like a stroke, things like heart conditions and things like that, they're not gonna get better with time. How people deal with them is what improves.
4: Mick, what do do you make of that? Yeah, uh, uh, morning, Donald. Uh, I think one of the key things, your wife may have a three-year agreement because if you have a lifetime award, uh, I've never been called back and I have a lifetime award, Um, so it it may be some subtle changes in in the small print, uh, in in the paperwork. I think one of the key things, and I was just going to mention it uh, a second ago, is that the, the, the caveats, if you like, are that can you do things in a safe manner in a timely manner, mm. but also what they call a reasonable manner as well. Uh, and now, the reasonable has not been proven yet, what that actually means as a test case. And, and there's lots of things about um, PIP, about can you walk 50 metres, and the government have said it's now 20 metres, and there's a High Court case going on about that. So that's still up in the air. The, 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 doing things in a reasonable time is apparently, as if it takes you twice as long to do what an able-bodied person might do then that's unreasonable and therefore you would qualify so they're trying to put measures in place and all of these little caveats about all the tasks that anyone may do is it safe can you do it repeatedly as well so if you need to feed yourself four times a day perhaps as some people Mm. may need to do or certainly regularly or take medication can you do that reasonably as well so the caveats are reasonable timely repetitively and, and you know reasonably as well.
0: Mick we're running out of time and, and Donald thank you very much for getting in touch Mick uh, if people are confused or, uh, and concerned about their situations and what they
4: should be doing I'm guessing you might be able to help them. Yes what we'll do we'll put some information up on our website which is uh, all the W's uh, or they can put disability resource into Well-known search engine beginning with G and uh, we'll come out at the top.
0: Google! Exactly. I got there in the end. Brilliant. Uh, Mick, lovely to see you. Donald, thank you very much for getting in touch. 08459 four double five five double five. Are you concerned about these changes? Are you, are, you, are you particularly panicking about it? I would suggest don't. Don't panic. All of these things can be sorted. But maybe you've been assessed, and whereas you were getting disability living allowance, you've just had a letter recently saying, oh, I'm sorry, you don't quite match the criteria here.
6: And that's your latest news and sport more from me at seven o'clock.
0: So, Catherine. Yes. Did you have a nice weekend? Yes. I don't care. Good. My weekend. Oh. No, I don't. I don't. I don't. It's very rarely I have a really nice weekend. Okay, go on then. Okay, what did you do? Nothing. Okay. So, I went glamping yeah i know it does sound quite gay doesn't it when i saw the word glamping i was what on earth is this strange hybrid of hetero homosexuality and it is a little bit but it's fan- it's very camp but it's fantastic it's a posh tent right mm. it looks like a circus tent it's got a four poster bed in it
6: right okay that's probably the only camping i would do
0: yeah exactly I, that whole thing of, of bivouacs What's the point? yeah exactly but here's the thing my little boy three years old he wanted to play with the big boys. Okay, there were big boys there. They're like eight and ten. He said, "Dad, I want to play with the big boys." I said, "Well, let's go. We, we can go and play with the big boys." To be honest, the big boys were little thugs. On the Saturday <laughs> night, they were conducting executions in a barbecue. Nice. Yeah, I know. <laughs> so he, he said, "I want to go and play with the big boys." I said, "Okay. What? How do you want to go and play with them?" I want to do um, rollovers for them. <laughs>
6: <laughs> Probably not the right approach. No, I know. I said, well, okay, well, let's,
0: let's go and do rollovers. So I taught him how to do rollovers, and he went and did them with the big boys. They weren't interested. But but four-year-old Erin was interested. Oh, yeah. She was interested. So they're hanging out all night, like hanging around and playing and stuff, and it goes really well. But then the next morning, Erin pops over to our tent for breakfast. Okay. She's four. He's three.
6: She's forward, isn't she? I,
0: well, I know. I know. <laughs> uh, and um, she, uh, the, the, I, they, I turned around. They were having breakfast. I said, Where have the kids gone? Where have the kids gone? We couldn't find them. We went into the tent. Now, I I don't know how you feel like this. They were both in bed eating brioche together.
6: Ooh. Is that, I don't know, is that appropriate? I don't know.
0: I feel I should have done something. I as a
6: mother of daughters, I wouldn't have had that. No,
0: I, as a mother of a son, <laughs> I was you, no, I wasn't, I was that's
6: terrible behaviour. <laughs> oh, it's all innocent fun. Crumbs in the bed, though, not good. Oh,
0: dirty. But
2: your weekend was all right, was it? Yeah, don't it was care. All right.
6: Oh. Across beds, hearts and bucks.
2: This is Ian Lee.
1: BBC Three Counties Radio.
2: I know, I know.
0: Coming up uh, in the next 30 minutes, you've got a quid in your pocket, okay? There is a busker... A little bit further down the street, you can see a beggar. Who do you give the pound to? If you go to facebook.com forward slash BBC3CR, you can see me uh, a little, little little seven second clip of me busking with a song that I wrote myself called Oh, Baby, I Love You. I, I think it's pretty darn good. But who would you give the pound to? Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. Now, listen, I used to go busking. <laughs> Imagine that. I used to go busking. It was terrible. I once had a lunatic come up and threatened to punch me in the face. He pretended to be from the council. He flashed a bit of plastic at me. I'm convinced it was a library card. Having a library card does not mean you work for the council. It means you have access to council books. That's it. But how many uh, times have you heard something funny, interesting or or, or just stupid on the street? Well, Justin Dealey does all the time and uh, usually he's got a microphone in his pocket. Yes. Well, the other day, he he steamed into a row between an unlicensed busker and a beggar fighting over space in Luton Town
7: Centre. Most normal people would just walk on by, but Justin, you you got involved, didn't you? (laughs) I did, actually. You idiot. I mean, fascinating. A a row between two people who were doing something illegal. It's illegal to beg in the UK, and it's also illegal to busk without a licence. Is it? I didn't know that. Yeah. You need a licence, of course you do. You can't just turn up on the street and start playing guitar. It's political madness gone wrong. It is, people see madness in this country, but it was fascinating to, to hear this, because the homeless man was saying look, you leave me alone, you've got a house, go away, this is my spot, not yours and it was getting really, really heated and I thought going go over and have a quick listen to this. And um, when it all died down, that's when I got the microphone out. Um, I spoke to Anthony Grant. He's the homeless man. He's been homeless for seven months. And he, he's been telling me how he became homeless and why he's so angry with unlicensed buskers. Take a listen to this.
8: Divorced my wife. Got into another relationship. He went sour. And then... I've just lost faith with people, to be honest with you. I just... Not everyone, because not everyone's the same. You know, some people are nice and some people are horrible. I mean, night times when I sleep out, sometimes I get stamped on, I get beat up. You can see on the top of my head here, the last thing I've, you know. So, what have you eaten today? One orange. And that was since nothing yesterday, but an orange today. A lady gave me an orange just a minute ago. So, you're here and you're begging for money because you, you need to eat? Yeah, I don't do drugs. I don't do drink. You plainly see, I don't no no alcohol on my breath, no cans. I don't drink, and I don't do drugs like most of the other people around here that try and beg. They beg, they beg because they need they, they need their drugs or their money. I beg, I beg because if I can make enough, sometimes I can stay in the B&B. a B and B. There's an easy jet. They know me very well in there. Mm-hmm. Your, your big gripe is, is with Luton Council because there are people here. Who are coming down and they're playing
7: instruments and they're trying to get money and you feel that's wrong these people should be having a license or they shouldn't be here
8: no that's right yeah definitely without that without a shadow of a doubt why should they be i mean i'm, I'm not doing nothing right I don't, i'm not asking for anything that anyone as in pretending i'm something i'm not do you know what i mean when they're pretending they aren't they, they have a house well why, why should they why should they be allowed to do that why can't, well i'll have their house and they can do this I mean, quite happily, I'll have their house. I'd love to be able to have their house. I mean, what would you say to anybody who's listening to this saying, "Well, it's a bit rich," and
7: obviously, uh, I'm sure they 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 sympathise with you you because you're homeless. But but what you're doing is also illegal, isn't it? You're also begging on the streets, which you're not allowed to do in this country.
8: Yeah, I I would agree with that, And, and and I don't want to do crime. I don't want to, in other words, I don't want to go out shoplifting, I don't want to go and rob people, I don't want to go and do things. A so shopkeeper here know me well, here, because I, I cause them no trouble whatsoever, and you could ask them. You're just doing what you can to survive, that's why you're here, you're left with no option but to do this. I haven't had no option to do it, if I had an option to do it, if, if, if I had more of an option to do it, I... I I, I would do, do you know what I mean? Just uh,
7: lastly, do you think that, that you can
8: eventually turn your life around? I hope so, because if I can't, then what's the point in living?
0: Wow, well, that's, uh was a powerful piece Justin thank you very much for that did, did you speak to the busker at all at any point w- during this altercation
7: no the busker quickly left yep. um, so I was left with Anthony but he makes an interesting point as much as we can sit here and say what he's doing is illegal but you've heard there that, that he needs to, to do that to, to try and improve his life and, and later we'll find out from people in Lucent, if they had a pound in their pocket yep. uh, this, is, this is the moral dilemma this morning if they, if they had a pound in their pocket who would they give the money to the busker or or the beggar? That's the question we're going to be asking this morning. You wouldn't give it to either, would you? Um, I would give it to the homeless man, actually, but, I mean, Anthony there, he says that, and you've got to take his word for it, that he doesn't drink, he doesn't do drugs, but I think a lot of people w- would stereotype homeless people, and again, in reference to what Anthony was saying, that those people might take that money and use that for alcohol. I think if I knew the homeless person wasn't going to use that money on booze, and they would spend it on food, I would give it to that person every day. Okay, i wait for
0: 555. You've just heard Justin Dealey there. Who would you give the quid to? Thank you for that, Justin. Excellent stuff. Would you give the quid to the busker? Or would you give it to the beggar? Simple question. 08459 555. If you go to the Facebook page, .com forward slash BBC 3CR, you'll see a little shot of me doing some busking to uh, visually illustrate the story that we are talking about. Uh, who would you give it to? Uh, and on a side note... There's no such thing as a good busker, is there? What a busker is, is someone who's learned four or five chords, a couple of Beatles songs, but with the wrong chords, uh, and maybe a Dylan song, and that's it. And they sit there. At the very best, buskers are, are all right. They're not brilliant. Some are awful. Some are just like, oh, that's all right. I, I can listen to that for the eight seconds it takes me to pass them. Can we find a decent busker in beds hearts and bucks this morning the front door is is open you can come in into this studio if you're a busker and play us a song and i'll be i'll be um um uh, who's that woman amanda holden i'll be amanda holden Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. Can we find a decent busker this morning? I think not. This is one of the songs I used to do busking. I used to do this. Imagine that. <laughs> Imagine me with long hair. I know, I know. Not that long, but that that long. No, not down to my bum. That long. Sort of just down my neck a bit. It looked awful. I had an undercut, so it was of shaved underneath. Oh god. Oh gosh. The nineties were cruel to many of us. So imagine me, long hair, stood outside NatWest in Enfield, North London, playing this. Oh dear. (laughs) Uh, The scary thing is I could still end up back there one day. You just don't know what's around the corner. Now, what have 600,000 people in this country got in common? The answer is they all get 200 quid every winter to help them with fuel bills. But those who are higher or top-rate taxpayers would stop getting that payment if Labour regained power in 2015. Today, the Shadow Chancellor, Ed Balls, will say that Labour needs to accept an iron discipline on spending, and the rich and retired should pay their bit towards deficit reduction. Well, I'm asking you this morning, is it time, better off pensioners lost their winter fuel payment. It is likely to affect about 600,000 pensioners who pay the two, uh, top two rates of income tax, saving around £100 million. But a Treasury source has described the pledge as utterly meaningless. Steve McCabe is the Labour MP for Birmingham Selly Oak.
9: What you have to decide is,
10: is welfare fair? Are the people who've paid in getting a reasonable return for what they've paid in? And does it make sense to actually be paying a fuel subsidy to someone who's also paying the top rate of tax and therefore patently doesn't need
0: it. Well, the winter fuel allowance is currently paid to all state pensioners, regardless of income. During the last general election, the Prime Minister, David Cameron, pledged not to cut welfare measures directed at pensioners. But the Conservatives have come under pressure from their Liberal Democrat coalition partners who want to see benefits for wealthy pensioners addressed before other cuts to the wider welfare budget can be considered. In April, Work and Pensions secretary ian duncan smith suggested that pensioners who don't need the extra payments should consider returning the benefit well pensioner tony says his winter fuel allowance doesn't go towards heating his house
10: when the money rolled in i spent it on the waterfall in the garden i don't make any apologies to anybody for doing that so i wanted the waterfall mending
0: he mended his waterfall with the money that was due for his fuel allowance well, is it time better-off pensioners lost their winter fuel payment? Or maybe you think that people like Tony should be able to spend their w- winter fuel payment how they like, on waterfalls. If you get a winter fuel allowance, do you deserve it? Should you get it? Oh eight four 455555. We're also talking about busking this morning. You- you've got a quid in your pocket. Do you give it to a busker? Or do you give it to a beggar? Uh, John's in St Albans. Morning, John.
11: Uh, good morning. I'm actually in Northwood. Oh,
0: I do apologise for that. We're, we're, we'll right. find I'm, the person uh... who wrote St Albans and we'll have them cleaned and then shot. Oh, that's
11: all right. No, nope. I, I, I listened to you years ago on LBC, but oh. uh, I won't mention them again. No,
0: don't you, don't you ever do. I have no <laughs> idea what you're talking about. Now,
11: John, you've got a quid in your pocket, there's
0: a busker, there's a beggar. Who are you going to give it to?
11: I was going to say the busker, but I actually saw a busker in St Albans. I was in St Albans on Friday. So there is a connection um,
0: to St Albans, excellent. And
11: and, and she was pretty terrible. I think I gave her about 10p, which wasn't very generous. Well, hang on, if she was terrible,
0: why did you give her anything? You should have just given her a dirty look.
11: No, um, I felt a bit guilty. I didn't give her a bit more, but she wasn't very good. Otherwise, I would have given her a bit more. Um, But uh, they they vary in quality. I mean, they can be fantastic. I mean, they're regulated now on the London Underground, and sometimes they have... Sometimes it's got a bit commercial, you know, they've got sort of backing machines and things, but you get sort of students from the Royal Academy of Music who are virtuoso violinists, um, and then you get sort of Rent-A-Bob Dylan at the other end, you know. But if they're can, if they competent, you know, I like listening to music, so I yeah. don't care if they've got a licence or not. If they're good, um, I will throw a few quid in. I mean, sometimes you hear saxophone and things, oh. and jazz, and it can be... John... Know, sometimes it's terrible, sometimes it's great. I, I don't
0: need to hear someone playing bad ...out-of-tune saxophone over a karaoke tape of Careless Whisper by George Michael. It doesn't do
11: it for me! <laughs> no, not well. Uh, if they play anything by wham, I'd probably shoot them. But that's <laughs> There's a fella in um, uh, uh, Tottenham
0: Court Road tube station... Uh, ...and every time I pass him, he's, and I've passed him quite a few times... He's always playing the same song, an old calypso song called Matilda. He's always playing it. You think, oh, for goodness' sakes, man, you've only got one tune. Do something else.
11: I uh, know. You'd think that uh, there's quite a few. There's quite a few good calypso tunes out on there. You think he might vary it a bit. Um, as for the the homeless, I mean, uh, I, I don't know. I mean, it, it, it's outside. I. I'd... Oh, you know, I felt really sorry for that fellow that you were talking to, um, that Justin had spoke to in Luton. I don't know how bad the problem is in Luton, and I suspect that organisations like Crisis and um, Shelter are are doing essential work. I, I wonder, on a serious point, whether some of the changes to benefit, particularly the cap on housing benefit, is... Going to make the problem worse. I suspect it will. Um, and for all the people who sort of say, "Oh, well, these benefit people are scroungers," you know, at the end of the day, they're human beings, and 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 I, I would want to give them the benefit of the doubt.
0: John, I appreciate your call. Thank you very much indeed. There's John uh, who, who saw a busker in St Albans. She wasn't very good. He still gave her ten pence. I don't know if that's worse than walking by, though. Is it, I, I, if I'm stood there playing, you know, I, I like the phrase, rent bob If I'm there playing um, uh, All Along the Watchtower or Blowing in the Wind and someone chucked me a coin, well, thanks very much, mate. Oh, ten pence, you can take that back. I think I'd be more offended by the ten pence than just walking past. Also, they've invented Sony Walkmans now. You can have any kind of music, you know, Walkmans iPods, isn't it? You can have any kind of music in your ears you want. Why would I want to listen to rent-a-bob? Or, uh, uh, there's no need for it. No buskers are any good. I'm putting it out there. We won't find a decent busker before nine o'clock this morning.
7: Ian, you mentioning that chap in Tottenham Court Road, I've been past him many times as well, but it reminded me there is one amazing busker on the tube. It's a blind man who whistles, and he's incredible.
0: Oh, for goodness sakes, I can close my eyes and whistle, Adam. Oh, Ian, he's brilliant. OK, well, I, I, I don't believe you, but carry on. OK, Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thanks very much, Adam.
6: A survey of 27,000 children across the UK has found that many don't know the origin of the food they eat. A third of the primary school pupils' questioned thought cheese came from plants and pasta was made from meat. Sorry? Yes. What? I know.
0: How old are these idiot children?
6: They're primary school children. But the cheese comes from
0: plants. Everyone knows it comes from Tesco's.
6: Get the latest news and sport online at bbc.co.uk slash three Should
0: we never mention that news bulletin again?
6: <laughs> Best not, eh? Okay. <laughs>
0: this is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. Three minutes past seven, it's the 3rd of June. Wow! It's like summer and stuff. Apparently. Ah, oh dear, lots coming up between now and 8 o'clock, including we'll have the latest on the hospital fire that caused chaos for Stoke Mandeville at the weekend. 53 patients had to be evacuated following the blaze that started at 4.20 on Saturday morning. I know it's a long shot... But if you or your family were there or involved in any way, do give us a call, 08459 four double five five double five. Shadow Chancellor Ed Balls will say later... I just can't take that man's name seriously, I'm sorry. ...will say later today that the annual winter fuel allowance should be withheld from wealthier pensioners. Well, should you lose your winter fuel allowance, dear listener, if you are a, in inverted commas, wealthier pensioner? And Justin Dealey has stirred up a hornet's nest of music and beggary. If you had a pound in your pocket, who would you give it to? A busker or a beggar? And can we find a decent busker before nine o'clock? I don't think so. They're all awful. That's why they don't have recording contracts. That's why they're not on top of the pops on a Thursday night. Facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR. You can text as well. Eight one three double three. Start your text 3CR. Include your name, please. Or, and the best way to do it is, look, all of the lines are free now. Give me a phone call. 08 459
2: 555.
1: Across beds, hearts and bucks.
2: This is BBC Three Counties Radio. A ward in Stoke Mandeville Hospital
0: remains closed as investigation work takes place to determine what caused a fire at 4.20am on Saturday. 53 patients were evacuated away from the blaze and it caused accident and emergency to run a reduced service. Jeff Bottle is a group manager for Buck's Fire and Rescue Service and joins me now. Morning, Jeff. Good morning. Jeff. what preparations do the fire service make for situations like this?
12: We undertake a lot of practice and preparation for... A large number of risks and hazards in our area and that includes all of the hospitals uh, particularly Milton Keynes, High Wycombe and in this case Stoke Manville which as really, really which we never hoped to do but was a massive benefit for us on Saturday morning.
0: So what do you mean you go in there regularly to to assess uh, things and and, uh, how things are working there?
12: That's it, what we do we have uh, familiarisation visits for our local crews and then we carry out exercises there so what we had on the morning is a set number of plans because it can be quite a complex or sorry the hospital site is a very complex layout and it has a very sophisticated alarm system so that when there's we get an early indication of the where the fire is and an accurate location so we can put our plans into place where our crews go to the correct location uh, put the hose into what is called a dry riser, so that we can get water to the floor of the fire quite quickly. The crews are aware of the layout. So it's, even though this is a very, very rare occurrence, they're prepared as much as they can say in the early hours of the morning to immediately put plans into place.
0: Forty firefighters, I believe, were there at the peak of the fire. That sounds like a lot.
12: Yes, we had the, the first incident commander was on scene within definitely within ten minutes, just over five minutes, and immediately requested assistance. This was mainly for personnel rather than the equipment. Uh, and at this point, I really must stress the amount of praise we have for the hospital staff who were doing their phased evacuation and remained so calm, so professional, working under such considerable pressure, evacuating lots of people who were not very well to begin with. And now there was smoke and obviously scared, but really must stress how our respect and professionalism the hospital staff showed on this, uh, emergency for them.
0: Uh, any idea what caused the fire? Uh,
12: the investigation uh, is still carrying out. They, We had a fire investigator there all day Saturday liaising with the hospital staff and he'll be presenting his initial findings to senior managers, both the fire service and the hospital care trust uh, earlier this week.
0: OK, and uh, finally, 20% fire damage, 100% smoke damage. What does that
12: mean? Uh, the hospital ward is separated into a number of bays and one of the bays was completely destroyed by the fire um there's a lot of equipment and beds in there which considerably added to the amount of and the toxic smoke that was produced so that smoke has then moved from the ward into other areas of the building so a lot of smoke damage a lot of cleaning will have to take place to the rest of the building
0: jeff i appreciate your time this
2: that's jeff bottle group manager for bucks fire and Rescue Service.
1: Across beds, hearts and bucks.
2: This is BBC Three Counties Radio.
0: So 600,000 people in this country all get £200 every winter to help them with the fuel bills. Are you one of them? Do you get 200 quid to help with the fuel bills? Now, if you haven't got much money, I'm sure that £200 is very helpful. Thank you very much indeed. But if you have got a bit of money... Well, you don't really spend that on the winter fuel allowance, do you? My, my in-laws get that money. They're quite well-to-do. They're not millionaires, but they've got, they've got a few quid. They give it to the grandchildren. We heard earlier from a gentleman called Tony, I think, who, who spent it on getting his fountain, his waterfall, fixed in his back garden. I'm paying for his waterfall. Well, today, the Shadow Chancellor, Ed Balls, will say that Labour needs to accept an iron discipline on spending and the rich and retired should pay their bit towards deficit reduction and those who are higher or top-rate taxpayers would stop getting that £200 payment if Labour regained power in 2015. Well, our reporter, Justin Dealey, has been in St Albans this morning. Justin, what have people been saying to you? First of all, it's a great name, isn't it? Ed Balls. The I name guess, Balls. Ed Balls. I, ca- I cannot take Balls seriously. <laughs> I mean, I, it just doesn't work. It, you, if your name was Balls
13: mm. or mm.
7: Cox, yeah, yeah. you would, ch- you would <laughs> change your name, wouldn't you? Quite possibly. I think it's great, though. Definitely one for the pup. But we're talking here about um, a big saving potential at around £100 million a year. That's a lot of money. I can't find anybody... £100 million?
0: £100 million a year.
7: I can't find anyone in St Albans who thinks this will be uh, an outrageous idea. Everyone that I've spoken to seems to think this is the best way forward. Here's what people have had to say. Alan, what's your thoughts? Wealthy pensioners having their winter fuel allowance taken away from them. Is that the right way forward for this country?
1: I think only people
14: who really need it ought to be getting it Mm. so i suppose yes
7: so somebody who's got the money if they can afford it well why should they be getting this payment anyway
14: yeah i think it's the same as bus passes and all those sorts of things There are certain things that you should be entitled to like a pension regardless of uh, how wealthy you are but there are other things like that that are meant to be a benefit for people that can't afford otherwise
7: and madam what about yourself do you think that ed balls has got a point taking away these winter fuel allowance payments to to wealthy pensioners
15: yes i do i think it should go to the people that actually need the money
7: saying that though, some people would argue that well, they've worked all their lives just because they're wealthy that they shouldn't be discriminated against almost. Yeah, I understand that point, but as I said, I do believe it should go to people that actually need it. Janet, you agree with Ed Balls, can you tell me why?
3: I just think that if we're going to means test across the board and people are means tested for benefits, I don't think it matters whether you're young or old, it's not a privilege in, in society We all, we're all here for a purpose and a reason and we all contribute and if people can afford um, not to take, then they should be contributing, and it'd be a fairer society.
7: Were any of the people you spoke to just in pensioners themselves? No, not at this moment in time. It's very early in the morning. Haven't quite found a, a pensioner. Hang on a
0: minute. What, <laughs> what does that? I mean, old, people, old people get up like, at <laughs> the, the crack of dawn, they can't sleep.
7: No, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying where I am in St Albans right now, right. I haven't come across any pensioners. But as soon as I do, I will put that question to them. And I think the bigger term is here, wealthy. You know, what exactly does that mean these days? Because what does it mean? Uh, if somebody says they're wealthy, well, what What are they on what? £30,000 a year? £40,000 a okay, year? Well, what, what does that mean? I'll
0: give you a figure. If you've got more than sixty grand in the bank, you shouldn't get the fuel allowance. There we go. More than sixty grand. Yeah. Okay it's, it's £200, OK? And it, it, to some people, the £100 million that is, is being saved, or would potentially be saved, in the great
7: scheme of things, isn't massive. But when everyone else is making cuts, I guess it kind of makes sense, doesn't it? I mean, yeah, we need to make cuts. Obviously, we do as a nation. But I think a lot of people would argue, if you do well for yourself in this country, and we are deemed to be one of the best countries in the world, if you do well for yourself, things go against you, and people can turn against you. And I think a lot of people say, well, hang on, regardless of my wealth here, I have worked all of my life in this country. I've given a lot to this country. So just because I've got money, why should you be discriminating against me? I'm not discriminating.
0: Oh, you're, you're pretending to be an old person. Yes, Sorry, I got yes. confused. <laughs> Justin, thank you very much uh, for that. 08459 five nine four You're a wealthy pensioner. You should not get your f- winter fuel allowance. That's according to Ed Balls. And it's kind of hard to disagree with it, isn't it? It makes sense. If everybody else is making cuts, then maybe some elderly people should do and i can't think particularly of any other cuts that the the pensioners have been involved in they're not affected by the in inverted commas bedroom tax oh wait four, five, nine, four, double five five double five, five, five bruce is in uh, australia good morning bruce
16: g'day Ian. it's uh, bruce here long time no talk it's been a few years um i've been enjoying the lovely uh, weather here in australia
0: fantastic and you are you actually in australia bruce
16: I am in Australia. That's... I work in Australia. So I listen to your program every every uh, afternoon when I'm working, and I've got my colleague uh, Jimbo. He's actually listening to it too. Okay. Well, good morning. I to... legitimately that we are listening to your show.
0: I, well, I, I believe that you are listening to my show. Bruce. We used to
16: listen to South African radio, but we thought your show's better.
0: So, what's your take on the winter fuel allowance?
16: Well I've got a, my mum um, I organised a pension for her when I was living up in the UK yeah. um, and um, so she gets a winter fuel allowance but she actually lives in Australia yeah. and my, my point is this, if you do well for yourself right you know, I mean uh, you know, the, the UK obviously isn't as good as Australia so I Sorry? mean, she has to live in Australia and um, she's worked all her life in Australia and to do a loophole in terms of international agreements she's allowed to have a UK pension you know, why should she be discriminated against?
0: Hang on a second. So you're saying your mum, who's an Australian, lives in Australia, yeah. gets the yeah. winter fuel allowance.
16: What's wrong with that? She, she gets it in the summer here, so obviously she's not going to use it for fuel. She's going to use it for air conditioning. I'm serious.
0: And how does that get paid to her, Bruce? Does she get, like, a cheque, or is it just go straight to her bank? How does that work?
16: Straight to her bank account, so okay. when she gets the UK pension... She gets she gets the additional three allowance, which she uses to pay for air conditioning because it gets quite hot here. Of here course, in it does get
0: quite warm in Australia. I've, I've heard that rumour. Very quickly, Bruce, because we're running out of time, and it's always a pleasure to speak to you. Uh, and even if this is for the last and, time, as
16: you can see, and I'm not saying anything stupid. No, um, you're being and very being quite well behaved. You're so being very I'll sensible. Be
0: why is um, why is my show better than South African radio?
16: Well, to be honest with you, um, we, we do listen to, to, to the Whackhead Simpson on South African radio for his prank, because he's actually quite funny with the pranks. Okay. But for everything else, you're, you're, you're pretty good. Uh, I like how you, like, interrupt the news and things like that. And to be honest with you, I mean, if I must say one, one thing, I mean, I used to date a girl up, up your way, and, I mean, I like the people up there. They're, they're quite nice, genuine people up in, 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 uh, in St Albans.
0: Well, Bruce... I was hovering over the fader for that whole phone call, don't worry. Bruce, it really is lovely to speak to you, and what a great way to say goodbye to you. Let's have a look at the front pages of the paper show. It's all Angelina Jolie going to World War Z. If anybody... If I hear another British person say World War Z, man alive, I'm going to... Well, I'm I'm just going to tut quietly to myself. And by the way, new Doctor Who, if Stephen Mangan... Or that uh, lady with the glasses, who's on everything, Perkins Sue Perkins. If either of them become Doctor Who, I am going to th- I am going to sell my television on uh, eBay, the auction site, and never ever watch television ever again as long as I live. It means that all hope is lost. Give up hope, all ye who enter here, because Stephen Mangan. All right, let's let's do the Mangan rant, shall we? Here comes the Mangan rant. He's overrated. He's dull. He's not a particularly good actor. He's an adequate actor. He's adequate, but he's not good. He's a poor man, Steve Coogan, with the the bubble cut, the wet perm, and the busy mouth. He's a poor man, Steve Coogan. There's no need for Stephen Mangan on our televisions. And Sue Perkins. I like Sue Perkins. She's all right. I've worked with Sue. She's nice. No, not Doctor Who. No, we cannot have a lady Doctor Who. We ca- no, we can't have a Lady Doctor Who. I'm sorry, this is one of the things. I'll give you your Lady Bishops. Yeah, have a Lady Bishop. Go on. Lady Doctors even these days, but not a Doctor Who. I'm not having it. Quite strong about this. It is against the rules. Mangan and Perkins are both likeable. That's their main character trait. They're likeable. You can't have a like... Can we have an old Doctor Who, please? The way it should be. Can we get John Hurt as an old Doctor Who? We can't. We can't have one of these youngsters. One of the newspapers. I'm sorry, Richard and Winslow. You're going to have to to wait, unless you want to talk about blah, Doctor. Blah,
9: blah, 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 blah.
11: Sorry. Blah, blah 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 blah. I beg your pardon. Oh, I didn't see I was on. he you, was on yet? Well, are you, is that? Shall I, I make my point? No, don't make your point. Is
0: that? Is that the noise you make when I'm talking? Well, I didn't see you. I didn't see yet. I thought it was, I thought he was a general apology on air. No, I, what I'm doing is I'm I'm doing a piece, and then I go to you because you want to talk about pensioners, and I was about to be yeah, politely saying, yeah, Richard, you may have. start? No, you shan't start because I'm talking you to you. To no All right. Shush. When you're ready, in your own time. Uh, unbelievable. <laughs> Didn't I ban you once? I'm not sure. You're just about just by the the, the, the the skin of your teeth. Stop snorting. So. These are the people, Richard, that are in line to be the new Doctor Who. We'll get to your point later, if at all.
11: I could be the Doctor Who. I'm old.
0: Rupert, Rupert Grint is 10 to 1. Thunderpants. What about me then? No, not Richard. No, you're not in the running. Oh, well, I'm. Right. Do, how do you look in a scarf? Beautiful. Okay. Um, so, Rupert Grint from the. Um, how do you look in a scarf? I, I look good in a scarf, actually. I look very handsome. Really? Although my haircut's too short. Though,
11: scarf? How is scarf... How are scarves girly? Well, the way you wear it, probably. Anyway, look, I came on to phone up about the other thing. When are we going to get round to that? Billy Piper. Really? Yeah, lovely. Would Definitely.
0: She, would she be good as Doctor Who? I don't know about that. I
17: mean, she could have other things, I
0: believe. Mar- that's a character she plays. Martin Freeman. Don't know him. He's the fella from The Office and The Hobbit. Don't watch it. Okay, Rhys Ifans, the Welsh man in his pants. Oh yeah, I like him. He's hilarious. old Reese. would he be good as a, as
11: a doctor? I don't know. I don't watch Doctor Who. <laughs> soon since I saw a Dalek, he jumped behind the sofa. I haven't watched
0: it since. For oh, goodness' sake,s all right. Well, listen. You, you you you've called in about pensioners
5: having it hard. Yeah, I did actually. I know that chap, Bruce, and I know a lovely
11: story about him, which I can tell you later. I don't want to hear it. You should do. You should do. You know, you do. Um, You you said earlier about. Pensioners aren't having any other cuts. Well, we are. We're getting we're getting the inheritance tax cut held at three hundred and twenty five thousand. So when I pop my clogs again, and it won't be too long, I'm sure there'll be less to give to my son and heirs. But again, it's outrageous.
0: But Richard, listen, you're not listening to anything I'm saying this morning, and this is why. This is why I'm I'm close to banning you for I think the fifth time. (laughs) You won't be affected by the inheritance tax. Your son's my will.
11: Your, your son's will. You won't be affected. Yeah, but so of course it's my money. And of course I'll be, I want my be, money to go where I want my money to go. You'll be dead. dead. It doesn't mean the government can okay. have 40% of everything over £325,000. I,
0: I can't get a word in edgewise. And I believe make it's my fault.
11: Richard, it's it, You'll be dead. So what? Just because I'm dead, you can't come and rob me. Take the pennies oh, off my I, eyes. Ooh, there's a couple. Of, there's a couple of pennies. We'll have
0: them as well. I tell you what, the, the, what. One thing is, it means my show will run a bit smoother.
11: Now, now listen. Should I tell you
5: about Bruce? Little stories. No, I don't. Want, I don't Very want to romantic. hear anything about Bruce. Yes, you do. Yes, come on. Here we go. Look, okay, wait. Bruce and Sheila. So,
0: oh eight four five nine four double five five double five is the telephone number. If you want to give us a call, the, the, the pensioners have been. Uh, they've had it a little bit easy in terms of uh, some of the cuts that other people have had to face, haven't they? The inheritance tax won't affect, affect Richard, or a pensionist. It'll affect their kids. Oh, wait, four five nine 4555 five. I believe I was going on a rant about Doctor Who for some reason. I seem to have um, got taken off target a little bit by Richard. Anyway, I haven't watched Doctor Who for ages, because the Doctor Who being younger than me makes me uncomfortable. Um, he's leaving. It can't... That was it. Mangan and um, the Lady with the Glasses. Neither of them... Can become the new Doctor Who because I, if they do, I will just, I will sell my television and, and, and never watch it. Nor appear on it ever again. Some say the latter doesn't happen very often these days anyway. Now, do you? a lot of benefits this morning. We're going to another one. Do you or someone you know claim disability living allowance? It's being phased out and uh, replaced by the new personal independence payment. The change is happening because the government believes spending on DLA has grown at an unsustainable rate and should be better targeted. The current cost is £13.7 billion a year. Well, earlier on in this show, we spoke to Mick Dillon from the Disability Resource Centre in Dunstable. He says there's a lot of concern about the change, but there do appear to be some benefits.
4: What it's doing for the first time is looking at not just all the tasks of daily living, but it's also allowing other factors, other uh, experts and professionals to contribute to your case. So it can be your carer, it can be a health professional who's actually seen you with a disability uh, sometimes struggle or try to hide how you do things. With a disability, you convince yourself you can manage and you get by, but is it being done in safe, timely fashions, etc.? We can now talk to the Minister for Disabled People, Esther McVeigh. Good morning,
0: Esther. Morning. Esther, critics say the changes are making it too difficult for people in genuine need to claim their benefit. What's your response to that?
18: Well, I, I don't believe that is the case. We've taken two and a half years to get uh, this new benefit right, working with disability groups, lobby groups, uh, individuals, to ensure that really we are taking uh, all, you know, every condition into account. Equally, when DLA came about, it very much looked at physical disabilities. The new personal independence payment will look at all kinds of disabilities, cognitive, sensory, fluctuating and learning.
0: There is a danger, isn't it, that people who, who have a condition that, that's variable, like MS, for example, could be assessed one day when they're fine and miss out on their benefits, which they do genuinely need.
18: And you're quite right. Fluctuating conditions are probably one of the toughest to assess. So to get round that, what we've done is we look at somebody's condition over a year. It's not on a specific day because you're quite right. They could feel better one day, feel very much worse the next. So it's you know what is your sort of worst day like? Um, how tough is it? What what support you need? And really get a feel for somebody's condition over a year. So actually, it is far more generous. Uh, pip than DLA was for fluctuating conditions. There is lots of fear around this, and we heard from a, a, a listener earlier on whose wife
0: had a stroke, and the anxiety around this is m- making her actually feel worse. Being assessed over a year, uh, it, it's going to make people scared, isn't it, and fearful, and these changes are causing fear.
18: Well, that's why I, I, you know. Thank. Thank you for having me on this morning, because I'm trying to allay those fears, because you're quite right, I think lobby groups have been out there, opposition politicians have been out there actually putting across a lot of misinformation, and people uh, have asked for a face-to-face assessment rather than having to complete, as you would have under DLA, a sort of a complicated... But people
0: could be be intimidated in a face-to-face assessment, wouldn't they?
18: Well, not really, because it allows them to give people, you know, the chance to explain how their disability affects them on a day-to-day basis. Because remember, this is a benefit, not about whether you can work. This is purely about how your disability affects you in everyday activities, about getting washed, cooking, cle- cleaning, reading, getting around. And this benefit is paid whether you're in work or not, or whether you're on. Other benefits. So that remains the same, but really, you know, we've just got to make sure that the £13 billion we spend every year, and actually that's increased over this Parliament, um, you know, is being focused on those people who need it the most. Why have one of the tests been been dropped from,
0: uh, the, the walking test, I think it's been dropped from 50 metres to 20 metres?
18: Well, no, that's not uh, quite correct there. Uh, Between the second draft and the third draft, there were changes because in the second draft, it was looking more about aids and adaptations. And actually, if you look to the letter of the law, what it actually says is unable or virtually unable to walk, Uh, but you could still get the higher rate uh, mobility within walking up to 50 metres. But what we did for clarity, because people were saying, can we have clarity within how far you could walk? We said automatically you'd get the highest rate if you could only walk 20 meters however if you can't walk that 20 meters safely reliably repeatedly and in a timely fashion then you know you could get the higher rate mobility up to 50 meters do you think it is a sign
0: of a caring government to target those people who are most vulnerable in just to save a few quid
18: But we're not doing that. As I've explained, when we came in in 2009, we were spending £12.6 billion on this benefit. And actually, by the end of the Parliament, we'll be spending £13.8 billion. So we're certainly not doing that. This benefit is about people who need extra support for the extra costs they incur through being disabled we will provide the money for that equally under DLA only 15% of people were getting the highest rates uh, of but this some benefit. people will lose their now, benefits now won't they 23% now 23% of people will be getting the highest but
0: rates. some people will lose their benefits it's about saving money so some people will lose out
18: uh, it isn't. And by the way, some people, if they had a fixed term award, well, when that award ended, they would lose uh, their benefit too, because it had, they'd had it for a fixed term. Um, so what we're seeing is it's not a static benefit. It's not a benefit that you go on and go on uh, for life. Some people's conditions change over a year or two, because it's about health conditions as well as uh, disabilities. Uh, therefore, we'd expect movement within the benefit. That happens already. All I can tell you for certain is that when the benefit started in the 90s 1.1 million people were receiving it now 3.3 million people are receiving it and all we are doing because it had grown 32 percent in 10 years uh, is making sure that it isn't growing at such a rapid rate because it would be unsustainable moving forward
0: so so, final question those those disabled people who feel they're being unfairly targeted just to save money what would you say to them
18: Well, I'd say, and you've said that twice, and I'm going to correct you twice, we're not unfairly targeting anybody. We are not saving money. The actual bill is going up. And what I would say is um, that check online through PIP Checker when your assessment will be, because most people on an indefinite award won't be being assessed until 2015. And why we've brought this benefit really is to help People to focus those thirteen billion pounds on the people who most need to support uh, the support, and also to really have a truer and fairer understanding of disability as we understand it in 2013.
0: Esther, thank you very much indeed. Esther McVeigh, uh, Minister for Disabled People. Oh eight four five nine four double five five double
6: five. In reply, England were dismissed for 273 with Jonathan Trott unbeaten on 109. His New Zealand skipper Brendan McCullum. I'm sorry, I can't bring you that. Uh, that well, the uh, quote
0: reason right we now. were playing the cricket was so great because it was just a fantastic time and we had a really great time, fashion chaps.
6: That's a. Well, fashion chaps saved it, but that was a bit of straining up to then. That's your latest news and sport. More from me at eight o'clock.
2: Don't pick on me. It wasn't me that didn't have the right <laughs> bit of audio queued up, love. Soz. On FM, AM, online and digital radio. This is Ian Lee. On BBC Three Counties Radio. Morning. We're still trying to find a decent busker. There's a question
0: around this. Justin uh, Dealey interrupted a, 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 an argument, let's call it, between a busker and a beggar over a bit of land. There's, you've got a quid in your pocket, you see a busker, you see a beggar. Who do you give the money to? 08459 four double five five double five. On the back of that, I've put out a call. Can we find a decent busker before 9 o'clock this morning? I don't think so. At the very best, they're all right. Generally... They're rubbish, aren't they? Oh eight, four, five, nine, four double five, five double 5 is the telephone number if you want to give us a call on that. Now, an audit undertaken at Luton and Dunstable Hospital in the first three months of this year has highlighted problems with procedure whilst discharging patients. Among the failings found by the report were two patients being sent home with cannulas still in their arms. Ouch. A patient with dementia being sent home without the family being made aware. A patient discharged without a letter of medication. Well, the concerns raised in the audit are currently being addressed and the hospital is in the process of hiring nine more discharge officers. Joining me now is Karen Ward, Director of Operations at Luton and Dunstable Hospital. Morning, Karen. Good morning, Karen. Ian. These are big problems, aren't they? How do they occur in the first place?
14: I think we're really keen to learn from any incidents that we have, um, and discharge procedures are are something that are really quite complicated. Just to get it into perspective for everybody, we discharge about 3,000 patients a month, and this audit showed an average of three discharge-related issues every month. Now, I don't want to kind of undermine that, that three is still three too many, and we're working really closely with...
0: a patient being sent home with dementia without the family being made aware listen the other 99.9 percent may get away fine but but for that person and that family that's not good enough how did that happen
14: i think you're right it's not good enough and in that case the family were aware they were going home it was the timing that was an issue but i what i don't want to do is kind of get drawn into the individual cases but how does it happen
0: though karen these cases are significant how did that happen
14: discharge is really really complicated there are lots of organizations involved and lots of things that need to happen in the right order um so we, for some people it's getting the equipment into their home knowing the time that the carers are going to be there lining that up with getting all their medications ready and how did that not
0: happen in this instance how did a patient with dementia get sent home without the family being made aware
14: as I say, there's a significant number of discharges. Okay, and, and they didn't very, work in this. They
0: didn't work in this instance. So, in so, so instance. how did that happen?
14: And I think what you need
0: to know how it happened so that we can prevent it happening exactly, again, don't we? So, so how did is it happen? Exactly
14: the point of why we've done the audit. Okay, We're and what did the
0: audit show about this case?
14: Well, I I can't really get drawn into individual cases because of issues around kind of confidentiality. But what I can assure you is the issues have been investigated and that we are working really closely to actually understand. Because what we have to do is understand where things go wrong. It's not necessarily about who did it or why it happened. It's getting to that why did it happen. Okay, well, why
0: why did it happen? Obviously they're not. Why did it happen?
14: Oh, that's around communication. A lot of these issues are around getting things done at the right time okay. with the right people. And, and things like our discharge officers have been a real bonus. They've really been able to support the doctors and nurses but, on the ward.
0: Obviously not in this instance, have they?
14: No, and that's why we're looking at the time that the discharge officers are on the ward and whether actually we've got enough of them. I'm,
0: I'm, the- I, I'm really desperate to find out, and I know you, uh, you, you can't be too specific, but for those people who use this hospital uh, uh, and will be curious about this and maybe slightly concerned... How could... You've not explained the failings in the system that allowed someone with dementia to be sent home without their family being told. How could that go wrong? That that seems an obvious thing to me. If there's a bloke sitting in the corner who's got dementia, we don't let him go home until his family are aware of it, at the very least. That seems obvious.
14: Well, I think I have to say that the family were aware that that person was going home, and also the carers that were going in to support them were aware. But they just didn't know when. one... Yeah, there was one final final phone call that didn't happen. But that person was escorted home by an ambulance crew. And obviously no one is going to be left at home and just left there. This audit came about from asking the other organisations to let us know where there were things that weren't right. Because as you say, we can't improve things if we don't know... What's going wrong? And we're but really what,
0: what went wrong? Uh, you're still not quite said. And I understand that. You keep saying we, we can't improve things unless we know what went wrong. What went wrong in that instance?
14: There was an awful lot of different pieces of communication. Well, that let's go through to the one. And but it was the final phone call, right, to the family.
2: Okay, so the but person isn't,
14: the carers were lined up. and okay. the ambulance service were lined up. Okay, and, but the, and the no f- one's going to be left on their no. own in a home. Okay, so but the family weren't told. So has that
0: person been disciplined who didn't make that phone call?
14: And as I say, we've investigated all of these issues, and there were very few for the number of patients that we discharged.
0: Have they been disciplined?
14: The issue is more about are our systems correct and how can we ensure that we have the right system so we're not putting staff, making staff vulnerable from it being I, one thing that can well go Well, what wrong.
0: about the families that are vulnerable? Has that person who didn't make that phone call been disciplined?
14: I'm not sure that this is an issue of discipline. It's, a, it's an issue of supporting our staff and putting What about the p- you really said the staff what
0: about the patients let's support the patients there's been a huge flaw someone who is ve- very vulnerable has been let down their family have been let down and yet you're implying that the person who is responsible for that uh hasn't been disciplined how is that acceptable
14: I think the first stage in any disciplinary issue is to ensure that we give feedback, we support the staff, we obviously support the patients. We don't want anything go wrong and our staff are really really dedicated for what they do and if anyone makes a mistake if anything goes wrong they really really do get upset and it's about going well, back that's... to training well but so they, they haven't been disciplined I, I, i'm
0: sure they do get upset and that's uh, that's a terrible terrible thing that, that a member of staff would be upset imagine how upset that person with dementia is or their mum or their sister or their their daughter that well, person so the person who messed up it hasn't been disciplined is that good enough
14: Part of the, any disciplinary process, the initial bit is... to is
0: that good enough? ...and
14: counsel. I'm, I'm, I don't think that that's necessarily the way that you would go around dealing with lots with these kind of issues. It's about support and training for staff, and it's about making sure that when the patient is taken home, if something's not right, that the ambulance crew will do everything they need to do to make sure nobody is left at home Alone. So has, that's that person, has that person
0: safeguard has that person who messed up in this situation been uh, retrained if there's been no disciplinary action has, have they been retrained
14: obviously we put training in place that when anything um, anything happens so
0: so they have been retrained
14: yes okay. yes
0: well, that's good what about leaving a, a cannula in that's the, the little thing that goes in the part in the back of the hand isn't it for drips and, and, and things
14: yes yeah
0: that's been left, They've been left in a couple of times.
14: Yeah, and again, you know, it's very difficult to, ex- to go into detail on, on specifics. What we've done is look at the reasons why these things happen and look at whether our checklist procedures are uh, good enough and how we can support and retrain staff so these things don't happen again. Since
0: this audit report came out, and it, it, it is quite disappointing, what changes have you made
2: to procedure
14: a d- number of things. As I say, we've looked at the checklist. We have been working really closely with... Um As I say, the local authority, we've made this one of our priority areas with the local authority and done some really good joint work to understand where things go wrong and how we can improve communication because a lot of it comes down to having really good communication. So that work's ongoing. And as I say, things, it's having dedicated staff who are just focusing on discharge, who have the time to actually get these things done, um, you know, in the right way. Uh, So we're trying to look at increasing the number of discharge officers that we have.
0: And listen, we're all human. We all make mistakes. The thing is, if I make a mistake at work, I play a Fleetwood Mac record instead of a Kinks record, or I go to the wrong caller. But in a hospital... There is no room for mistakes, is there? My little boy's about to go to hospital this week, and if, I, if some of the things that has been happening in your hospital happened to him, I would be furious.
14: I think, again, it comes back to getting this into perspective.
0: The perspective is, that- someone with dementia was released without their family being told, a patient was discharged without a letter or medication, uh, and cannulas have been les- left in people's hands i I know that the percentage is tiny but that's not good enough is it
14: No, and we're really sorry that those things happen and obviously we don't want any mistakes to happen and that is about getting these procedures right and the mechanisms there to make sure that we check everything and double check everything and that we minimise or eliminate any of these problems happening.
0: Karen, I appreciate your time this morning. That's Karen Ward, Director of Operations at Luton and Dunstable Hospital. Well, you can have your say on that if you want. 08459 four double five five double five. I know the percentage is tiny. If you're going to that hospital, I don't want to create panic. The percentage is tiny. But any failing in a hospital is, is not good enough, is it? And these are quite... Serious failings. Always a cracking listen. Made it sound very dramatic, that trail, didn't it? Wowzers. We were just talking about uh, Luton and Dunstable Hospital and about how there have been, um, well, a few people have been discharged with uh, potentially a few problems. Uh, we can speak to Mike now. Good morning, Mike. Uh,
17: good morning, Ian. What,
0: What's your story about the uh, L&D?
17: Uh, well, uh, last year my wife was in the L&D for a short period of time, and uh, she uh, had cannulas in her both hands, actually, and uh, she was discharged uh, under <laughs> strange circumstances, I might say. Uh, nobody seemed to know. The doctor said she could come home. I went to pick her up, but nobody was there to discharge her. And anyway, we did get home. And when we got home, she said, oh, my hands hurt. She said, uh, these needles in my hands hurt. And uh, obviously, when I looked, she'd got these cannulas in her hands. And I, I, I was the one who took them out. What did you think when you saw them in her hands? Well, I was disgusted. And in fact, I did write in, and uh, I didn't get any response. Oh, so was there any investigation? Not that I know of.
0: Wow. I'm, I, I'm speechless at that. <laughs> Did, did it hurt when you took it out, Mike? Uh,
17: fortunately, no. You ever, you ever done that before? Uh, no.
0: You have no medical training.
17: Okay. Well, well I've uh, had first aid training, but yeah. uh, not to that to do that.
0: <laughs> Wowzers. Well, well, well done, you. Is your missus all right now? Everything okay?
17: Yeah, everything's fine now. Well, that's... As I say at the time, you know, I was surprised, and she said, "Oh, well, these things in my hand hurt," and I said, "What things?"
0: <laughs> and it, listen, we all make mistakes at work, of course we do, but there's not really that much room for mistakes in hospitals, because they can be dangerous, can't
17: they? That's all right,
0: yeah. Mike, I appreciate your time this morning. Thank you very much uh, indeed. 08459 four double five five double five is the telephone number. We're still looking. We're still looking for a decent busker before 9 o'clock. I don't think we'll find one. I don't think it's possible. You can't have a decent busker. Because all the good musicians are out earning a living playing gigs and things. And maybe making records. Or selling them I'm trying to think, have I ever seen a decent busker there was the uh, the cabaret slave in Paris who were like a huge gypsy orchestra. They were wonderful. I bought their c d popped up on uh, shuffle on my iPod the other day, superb and playing in the the Paris metro, it was echoing all around the place, wonderful, but generally, some idiot playing along uh, playing a bad out of tune saxophone to careless whisper. Um, or you get some guy that's playing quite bad electric guitar. The Bob Dylan songs you get. There's the fella in Tottenham Court Road who's always playing Matilda, which is a great calypso, but that's all he can play. And I've been past him 15 times. Every time he's playing the same song. Where's a top hat. I'll well, I d- I never give him any money. I don't really give to buskers anymore. Unless... Wh- when was the last time? Oh, I saw someone playing a monkey song. I felt I felt obliged to, to drop a few shekels. In. I am more inclined to uh, buy a beggar a sandwich if i'm going if they're outside a, a spa or-, or a petrol station or something do you want a drink mate do you want a to eat i'll get them a sandwich and uh, a-, a drink and then maybe sit down and have a chat with them Cause they're fascinating to talk to a lot of them some of them aren't some are uh, you know quite boring really yeah they, uh, yeah they are a little bit but some of them are fascinating you're, you're right uh, how did you end up here i do i find it more interesting to talk to i wouldn't want to talk to a busker how did you end up here when well, i bought a guitar i learned three chords and now i'm stood at the top of an escalator well well done well done you if you're a busker in beds hearts and bucks we're in luton we're here until nine o'clock turn up at the door come in and sing a song if you're any good i'll throw a few i'll throw a quid in your hat i doubt you will be oh eight four five nine four double five five double five you can go to facebook.com forward slash bbc 3cr as well There are fresh calls this morning for the rules on parliamentary lobbying to be tightened up. The Deputy Prime Minister, Nick Clegg, has told The Daily Telegraph that the political system is crying out for head-to-toe reform and says the government will now introduce laws to create a statutory register of lobbyists. His comments uh, come after three peers were filmed allegedly offering to work for money. All three deny any wrongdoing. Well, Martin Bell became an MP in the 90s following the Cash for Questions scandal.
17: Any interest, any company, any association or federation, or even a charity, and I work for Unicef, is allowed to uh, lobby. And if you're an MP, you expect to be lobbied. And so long as money doesn't change hands, that's the, that's the, that's the, that's the key thing uh, and, and, and the critical distinction.
0: Well, our reporter Gavin Lee is with us now. Gavin, talk us through the allegations against the
19: three peers. Well, ultimately, it boils down to allegations that these three peers have done what they explicitly is in the rules—that they shouldn't do, which is take money in exchange for their parliamentary services. Um, the two members suspended by the Labour Party are Lord Cunningham and Lord Mackenzie. Lord Cunningham, secretly filmed by the Sunday Times, uh, representing pretending to represent an energy firm and appearing to ask if they could. If he basically be paid lots of money, thousands to represent them. He says he'll get somebody else to ask parliamentary questions and arrange parties on the terrace in the House of Lords for a fee. Then there's Lord Mackenzie, a former police chief who's asked if he could get round Parliament's rules, which he suggests he could. Lord Laird has been suspended by the Ulster Unionist Party. Uh, He was approached by a fake uh, lobbying company set up by BBC Panorama and The Telegraph, claiming to be from Fiji and asked if he was interested in being paid to work for them. He suggests he would. I should say all three are saying they're strenuously deny any wrongdoing and will help with this parliamentary investigation into them so so that's all they're saying in the defense at the moment is
0: it we didn't do it Garve, it wasn't us
19: yeah i mean there's a there's a big issue here i mean patrick mercer also um resigned on on friday the conservative mp and you know there is an issue that's been going not just for, just for three years because three years ago the coalition said they would change the rules to make it basically harder to um be lobbying and actually just make sure there's a controlled measure in place that lobbying continues, but it's more transparent. But, you know, rewind back 20 years, John Major's government and all of the cash for questions scandals. We just heard Martin Bell talking there. These allegations are swir- still swirling around. I think the one thing that sh- possibly changed this time is now, after the upteenth scandal this, this weekend and these allegations, Nick Clegg's written to the Telegraph this morning saying, finally, it, it, he's aware there's a Groundhog Day feeling all of the time. Within the next year, he is promising change and saying the other two parties main parties, are behind this. Well, what change can there be, Gavin? Well, this is interesting. There's a couple of options that they have. One is um, this register of... Transparent lobbying Essentially what you have is um, At the moment An agreement within Westminster That proper lobbying Is a good thing for Parliament That you don't want politicians Completely cut off or isolated Because it's part of the democratic process The issue is how you do it transparently Where people can see Who's arguing for what And who's arguing to who For what purpose Without money changing hands Um, So that's one thing That could get drafted up In the States In Canada In South American countries They have what's called Real recall Where if something goes wrong In an, an event like this um you have people power so if 20% of the electorate um decide that they or sign a petition basically they are they are sacked by the voter themselves um, this was considered by parliament to to exactly you know, tackle something like this but at the moment it seems they they're shifting towards a sort of a committee of grandees at westminster to decide that instead Gavin Lee, thank you very much uh,
0: indeed Of course there should be a, a, a lobbyist's register And everyone should know if there's a lobbyist living in their town You're fully aware of it, shouldn't they, of course Gavin, thank you very much uh, for that uh, Lots of you have been on the Facebook page this morning Facebook.com forward slash BBC uh, 3CR You've got a quid in your pocket There's a busker, there's a beggar Who do you give the money to? Stephen Clark. Neither Stephen, harsh Diane says, I give it to the busker As I never give money to beggars I always give them food direct Nick says, neither. Give it to JVS to get help with his attitude problem. Attitude problem? Julie says, "Uh, um, um, I'd give it... She agrees with Diane. Uh, Alan says, my pound, I earned it. They're both parasites. Well, are they parasites? The argument is, isn't it, is that the busker is doing something to earn the money, that they're they're displaying some kind of talent, they're at least uh, doing some sort of work, putting some effort into it, whereas the beggar is sat there on his backside with his hand out. But if the beggar really is completely on hard times then he's possibly more deserving isn't he mark says when i was in a job i'd have given to both of them but i don't give any more i'm a regular to covent Garden. covent garden they're very good down there they are excellent at covent garden but they're not proper buskers are they you get choirs and uh, and orchestras and things playing down there um lisa says well i lisa I, I can understand this i can't remember the time i had a spare pound coin um let's just quickly go through this elisa says uh, another lisa i would give to a busker i stopped giving to the big issue when i saw the person with the magazine had a better phone than i had well and, and nobody if you go to the facebook page guys we filmed a little seven second video of, of me busking busking an original song of mine by the way none of you have commented on the song now i am displaying pure talent this morning by just writing a song for the show none of you have made any comment on that. I think that's rude and slightly unfair. Do you want me to stick a comment on it, Ian? Yes, please. Thank you. A A nice one. one. No problem. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Adam. (laughs) I should really have used Catherine's news bulletin there to go for a wee. This last hour is going to be very, very uncomfortable. Have we got any long bits of audio coming up? Nope, 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 nope. Maybe JBS can take over early. We'll see. One of the things about camping I'd forgotten about is you've got to walk miles to go to the toilet. I I nearly did what my boy did and had a wee at the back of the tent, but I thought better of it. Anyway, you don't want to hear about my bladder. Oh, you do? No, you don't. Right. Lots coming up between now and JVS at nine o'clock, including... We'll get the latest on the hospital fire that caused chaos for Stoke Mandeville at the weekend. The Shadow Chancellor, Ed Balls, will say later today that the annual winter fuel allowance should be withheld from wealthier pensioners. Well, is it time Better Off pensioners lost their winter fuel payment? What do you think? And Justin Daly has has, has posed a a dilemma for us. You've got a quid in your pocket. Who do you give it to, a busker or a beggar? And is there such a thing as a good busker? Facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR. You can send me a text, 81333, start your text 3CR, or you can give me a call, 08459 455 555.
1: Across beds, hearts and bucks.
2: This is BBC Three Counties Radio.
0: It keeps popping up, doesn't it? Winter fuel uh, payments are back. Do you
2: get winter fuel payments?
0: Do you? I think it's 200 quid a year you get to help towards your gas and your electricity. Do you get them? Well, if you're wealthier, do you think that perhaps... You shouldn't get them. To be honest, you don't always spend it on the winter fuel, do you? Sometimes we had a a chap on earlier who spent it on getting his his fountain, his waterfall in his back garden fixed. My in-laws, they give it to the kids should you be getting your winter fuel payment, Labour say they'll cut winter fuel payments for the UK's richest pensioners if the party wins the next general election. The Shadow Chancellor, Ed Balls, is expected to announce the move in a speech this morning as part of what he'll call a fairer approach to deficit reduction. It's likely to affect 600,000 pensioners who pay the top two rates of income tax, saving around £100 million. Well, pensioner Tony says his winter fuel allowance doesn't go towards heating his house. When
10: the money rolled in, i spent it on the waterfall in the garden. I don't make any apologies to anybody for doing that. So I wanted the waterfall mending.
0: He wanted the... Wa- I've paid for his waterfall to be mended. That's nice of me, isn't it? I haven't got a waterfall. Well, of course, there are pensioners who do depend on this money to pay all of their bills. But is it time better-off pensioners lost their winter fuel payment. 08459
7: 455 555. Justin, you're out in St Albans this morning, aren't you? I am indeed. I still can't find anybody, Ian, who thinks that this is a bad idea. Most people are saying to me, this is common sense. It should have happened a long time ago. Now, earlier, you said to me, go and find some pensioners. Well, that's exactly what I've done and here's what people have had to say. Now, Ryan, right, so I would describe you, and I could be wrong here, as a, as a wealthy pensioner. Yes. Do you think that you should still be getting your winter fuel fuel allowance despite the fact that you are quite wealthy well i think that the thing is that there
13: are quite a lot of things now that we ought to look at as savings and i think winter fuel is one and bus passes are another mm-hmm. for the wealthy and for the people who can afford it
7: so what do you spend that money on when you get your winter fuel allowance clearly it doesn't go on your fuel do you spend it on on something else and a, a little treat for yourself every year
13: 200 quid is yeah. about 20 coffees isn't it into of <laughs> coffee something so that's like what that. you spend it
7: on though so if it was to go you wouldn't miss it at all uh, of
13: course you'd miss it, but you'd have to tighten your belt in some very small way, sorry. But um, it'll be
7: okay. I can manage. Russell, you're 63. You do receive the winter fuel allowance. Would you describe yourself as as wealthy? <laughs> no. <laughs> so you think that you still deserve it? Yeah, well, okay. certainly, yeah. So what about people who have got the money? Should that be taken away from them? So, so really.
10: But... It's not their fault if they're wealthy. They probably work hard for it, but it's not necessary for them to to receive it. I don't think. You know, it's only a. It's not really much
7: anyway, is it? So they could forego it. So it's got to go to, to people who who need that money a lot well, more. I say, than it's then. got to go. I think it should go to the people that do really need it. Yeah. Keith, you're 63. You agree with Ed Balls' comments? Can you tell us why? Uh, I think
0: uh, the, c- the country's got to balance the payments, got to balance the books, and I think that's a fair point to to take away something that people can really do without because they've got they've saved money through their lives, they've got uh, good savings, they've got a good pension. Well, yeah, they've probably got a good pension coming in, and so um, I think it's it's reasonable judgment really because um, they can afford to do without it. Basically,
7: the money could be better used el- elsewhere in the social security budget. You know, can I ask one final question, a personal question. You're 63. Uh, you're off to work today. Uh, Very well dressed. Uh, Would you describe yourself as a wealthy pensioner? If your winter fuel allowance was taken away from you, would you miss that? Uh, If I was a wealthy pensioner, no, I wouldn't. 200 quid a year, basically. I wouldn't miss it, no. Mm. If it
8: was taken away from you personally, you would, though? Uh, I think uh, when I retire, with the pension that I will have, yes, I would.
0: Justin, there will be people listening to this who think well, hey, whoa, hang on a second. I've paid my taxes for the last 40, 50 years. Mm. I deserve this 200 quid. Whether whether I need it or not is by the by. The by.
7: No, that's the point that uh, one of your callers made earlier on and he was saying, look, I make no apologies. Go out and get my waterfall for my back garden. Um, a lot of people have paid into the system for years and they would see this as a treat for them. But the question keeps coming up this morning. People keep asking me well, what does wealthy mean? Um, you tell me what that means. And I of people saying in the grand scheme of things here to to make these changes to save 100 million pounds in the grand scheme of things 100 million pounds in this country is absolutely nothing
0: justin daily thank you very much we'll be talking to you uh, before nine o'clock joined now by neil duncan jordan from the national pensioners convention uh, morning neil where, morning. Is, where does the national pensioners convention stand on this well it's quite
10: interesting all the political parties all the main three are saying that they're going to after the general election, look at the universal benefits. And what Labour have done today is they've started with what probably is an easy one to raise with the public, taking money off people who don't need it. And of course, that's a very easy way to start. What our concern is is that, A, it won't raise very much anyway, so it's not being done for financial reasons. It's actually being done, I think, to soften up the electorate for much bigger changes. If you're really interested in raising money, you have to take it away from everyone. You have to take not only that but the bus pass, the free TV licences, and so on. And so this is sort of opening the door, if you like, to a much bigger and more serious issue that I think is coming down the line.
0: But if pensioners are wealthy, and of course I'm I'm talking about a minority here, but if there are wealthy pensioners, why should they get the heating allowance free? Why should they get a free bus pass? Why should they get a free TV licence?
10: Absolutely. Let's move beyond pensioners. Why should the wealthy not be taxed more generally? I mean, no, no, hang on a minute, that's what really, if society's so upset about people having things they shouldn't have, why are we looking at wealthy pensioners when there are very, very few, as you know? Why aren't we looking at people generally with large amounts of income who, in fact, in the last year, have seen a 5% reduction in their tax rate? Now, you compare that... But, Neil, we hundred- are, go- no, hang on no, we are
0: going slightly off topic, Well, no, Neil. because
10: you want me to, to be drawn into something that I well, don't think is relevant. Well, I, well then, I, I
0: want you to talk about the subject we're talking about. If you don't want to talk about that, then there's, I don't want you to talk about something else, no.
10: Well, I'm, I'm quite happy to talk about it. I mean, okay, I think what this is about is, is about, as I said, opening the door for bigger changes, not just from okay. Labour, well, but I- from all the political parties.
0: Neil, I'll ask you the question again, then. Why should wealthy pensioners who don't need the money and spend it on other things, why should they get a winter fuel allowance?
10: Well, we think what should happen is benefits should be paid universally to everyone because that's the simplest and cheapest way of doing it. It's not fair, is it? And then the taxation system should be used to take it back off those who society thinks don't need it, because that's the most effective way of doing it. The other way, which is what Labour are suggesting, is that we introduce a means test. Now, when you introduce a means test, it costs ten times as much to administer than paying a universal benefit. So you don't gain as much as you think because you've had to pay out more in administration. So you do agree that that agree that... That
0: wealthy pensioners shouldn't get the fuel we allowance. We believe then. the
10: wealthy should be taxed more, pensioners and other people. Absolutely. Okay,
0: but uh, and uh, the same with bus passes and, and uh, Well, bus passes. Freed- I
10: think is very complicated. How do you give a monetary value to a bus pass, and then how can you tax it? Okay,
0: because we heard from one listener who spent his two hundred quid. On a fountain Absolutely. In, in his back garden—that's that's ridiculous, isn't it? Why, well, why that- should I pay? Why should I pay for Tony to have a waterfall in his back garden?
10: Absolutely, and I can understand completely why people feel that that's the wrong use of the money. So go let's back stop to him getting it then. Uh, well, uh, well, uh, and I've just explained how you would do that. You you would pay it universally to everybody and use the taxation system, including on pensioners and others. But I go back always, to the point I made earlier, which you don't always, think to want to address. Well, it's not relevant to the conversation. Neil, but to it talk is about because wealthy pensioners oh, have gosh. already had a five percent reduction right. in their tax rate. Right.
0: But the tax. Let your dog out for goodness' sakes, Neil. He's desperate for a wee. But your, uh, But the the point is. People can hide money through various tax systems, so pensioners could hide money as well. Let's just stop people like Tony getting the 200 quid for the allowance. Well,
10: why don't we do much more, then, to address the tax problem? If you're so concerned about it, as I am, why have we just accepted that wealthy pensioners and non-pensioners have had a 5% reduction in their tax rate giving them much more money back than you would ever save from raising or taking away the winter fuel allowance. It's an easy argument,
0: isn't it, Neil? It's an easy argument to point to the rich people and say, well, hang on a second, they've had a tax reduction. We're trying to save money everywhere. And yes, the the tax issue to one side, that may be inappropriate, uh, who knows. But the issue here is, there are people who are being given 200 quid a year of my money that don't need it and don't deserve it. And we should stop that, shouldn't we?
10: Well, whether you can argue they deserve it or not, I think so. Well, well, they don't a deserve it. If they've got is, the money, they don't deserve it, do well, they? Well, that's a different question about whether people well, okay. are entitled to
0: certain do you things. Think, do you think but, they deserve the money, then?
10: Well, do, do people... Oh. Use-
0: don't answer it with a question, Neil, please. Answer well, look, the question. Do, el- do rich you, elderly you, people you, deserve you the, the, the money? You don't want to
10: hear my side of the argument. You want to brush over the fact oh. that the wealthy have had a reduction in their tax. No, we've addressed that... that, Neil. We've no, addressed we that. You don't accept it. No, I do accept it. They've well, had a reduction you, in their tax. Well done. Excellent.
0: D- do you think rich pensioners deserve the 200 quid fuel allowance? I
10: think they deserve to be had it paid universally and then okay. use the taxation system to take it off them.
0: We got there in the end, Neil Duncan. Thank you very much, Neil. Neil Duncan Jordan from the National Pensions Convention. Don't answer a question with a question and that's so frustrating and the tax thing is would it, yeah, yeah yes okay rich but google isn't paying tax okay rich people have, have had their their tax reduced okay can we get back to the topic we're talking about please Dear it me indeed oh wait four, five, nine four double five five double five, five, five you're a wealthy pensioner you get 200 quid a year to uh, f- uh, for your fuel, for your, your tax, for your electricity and for your gas. Do you deserve it? Should you have it or should we be taking that away? Well, after nine o'clock, JVS will be asking: Is it fair to take winter fuel payments off wealthy pensioners? Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five is the phone number if you want to give us a call. Uh, if winter, this is a text from Bill and um, Milton Keynes, if uh, the winter fuel allowance is turned into a means-tested benefit, how much would that cost? How many pensioners would not claim due to pride? A better idea would be able uh, would be to incorporate the winter fuel allowance into the basic pension. And dabby doozy morning morning to you Jonathan Vernon Smith. How do you keep that shirt so crisp and white? I buy a new shirt every time. <laughs> at six o'clock this evening, this will be dropped into a furnace and burnt. <laughs> really, never to be seen again. No, I've got this. We've got this amazing thing at home now, and you should definitely get one. Oh, tell me, it's called a washing machine. <laughs> and what you do, all your dirty clothes, yes, you put them in. You put a little green sort of squidgy cube. I don't know what it is. You put that in, shut it, press some buttons, biff, baff, buff. You get clean clothes. Marvelous.
13: Yes, but that's extra white. Yeah, that's, that's very. Nice. it is thank you there was yes. that certain brand of washing powder do you remember they used to do a challenge where they'd knock on the front oh, door Oh, they did and uh your shirt could be a contender for yeah, that it is well it's just you know I and do, white i don't do anything manual
0: as well do you put oxy power in i don't put oxy power in oh. i put a little bit of calgon in because as we all know washing machines live longer <laughs> with calgon <laughs> twenty quid in my pocket not really it's a joke (laughs) it's a joke joke, for goodness sake!
13: i get a free box of the stuff someone was telling me recently that you should put a splash of dettle in your washing machine (laughs) oh yeah because you want to smell like a hospital don't you can you imagine no i wouldn't do that i'll tell you who that was my nan she said always dear put a little splash a dettle yes. in your washing machine keeps it all nice and fresh she's probably thinking about a mangle she probably puts a, a drop <laughs> of
0: dettle on her mangle <laughs> i reckon she does keeps it nice and clean oh that's a terrible slur lovely to see you i I've, I've heard uh, about your show last week you upset a lot of people on friday i didn't listen to it because i was driving off to leeds castle to go glamping but i've heard you upset
13: people uh, will you be upsetting people today
0: Probably. Oh, Jonathan.
13: Uh, Coming up on the big phone in this morning from Nine, is it fair to take winter fuel payments off wealthy pensioners? You've been talking about this this morning on your show. Uh, Labour say that they would cut winter fuel payments for the UK's richest elderly people if they got into power. Currently, 600,000 people over the age of 61 get £200 every winter to help them with fuel bills. Shadow Chancellor Ed Ball said the move would save £100 million and shows his party's iron discipline on spending should labour return to power in 2015 well from nine this morning i want to hear your views is it fair to take winter fuel payments off wealthy pensioners after all haven't those wealthy pensioners paid more into the system in the first place why are you looking why are are you are you suggesting that they get
0: their their heating
13: for free what do you mean is that what you're saying no, I'm suggesting what? that if you are a wealthy pensioner, yes. then you have probably, throughout your life, yes. paid more tax, right. paid more money into the system. yes. So, why should you have everything, all of your little perks, all of your pensioners' perks, taken away? Where's the incentive to work hard? Where's the incentive to, to get a good job and pay lots of tax, if all you see is that when you get to retirement, they come after you, they take everything off you, you end up with nothing from nine this morning your views is it fair why are you shaking your head because that you don't know how tax works do you well i do well it
0: would appear you don't well i i do it would appear you don't because why? what you've just spouted is complete guff what why is it complete guff well the, the tax that the uh, the 68 year old billy paid in 1978 mm. was for that period then that doesn't you can't it doesn't get held in reserve for now
13: yes but but 68 year old billy's still paying tax good as he should be pension good so he's paying more into the system right so now we're going after these people that pay lots in so that we can take off their 300 quid or their 200 quid or however much it is it's not fair is it from nine your views
2: Call 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. Uh, let's go... Um, oh, speaking of Billy,
0: I didn't see this. We have a Billy on the line now. I do apologise. Morning, Billy. Oh, yes,
15: hello. I'm, I wasn't a, I'm speaking. a woman. I'm, I'm <laughs> not a man. You're a... You're a... <laughs> I'm, I'm a woman. Let I'm me not, just, not a man.
0: Hang on a second. I've got my... We, just, uh, we have a woman. OK, just t- tick the box there so we know. I wasn't speaking about you, Billy. When I, th- The name popped into my head, but there you go. Are you a wealthy pensioner?
15: Um, how do you determine a wealthy pensioner? If you've got over 60 grand in the bank. Uh, yes, I have. But the reason I have is because I used to live in London. I sold my house in London 11 years ago yep. to free up some of my cash because I knew that in 10 years' time I'd be retiring. However, we've used some of that money. Yep. But... I don't get a fantastic pension per month. I've worked for the NHS for 22 years. It isn't anything to speak of. So I don't... I've never had a holiday abroad. I don't have flash car. I don't buy designer gear. And I don't... I don't fault people who do. Well,
0: you're very sensible. It sounds like you've you've played the game of life well and sensibly.
15: Well, I have. And I don't... I I don't need holidays abroad. I'm quite happy not to go abroad. I'm, I'm okay, But... I've secured my future. Now, what I get monthly on my pension isn't anything to speak of. Really, no. it wouldn't it wouldn't give me a a, a a good living if I hadn't have done what I did ten years ago. Yeah. So, but you've got and yet six... I would be penalised, and I'm not a big high spender.
0: Well, no, you're not a high spender, but if if, if you are in inverted commas wealthy, and I know it's a slightly misleading term. I'm not wealthy
15: to... though. I'm well, not wealthy. If... people who can live in in um, Houses that are worth a lot of money, um, they might have a better pension coming in than I do from their job. Um but I'm be, I'd be penalised now because I sold my house to secure my future. But if you have if I don't think I'm wealthy. Well no, you don't I've but just been no. really, really sensible. I've yes. worked really hard. But
0: you have money and you've played say you've played the game and you've played it well. Yeah. And y- you have money. But if we say and I've picked this figure but completely quite, at random, if you have savings of over sixty thousand pounds, and these are my figures, not the government's or Labour's if you have savings of over sixty thousand pounds, if I were the king, then you you would not get your, your winter fuel allowance. I wouldn't, because and it's
15: not right because why? I've got to depend on my pension. Pay- to live on.
0: But then, when your savings drop below sixty thousand pounds, you'd be reassessed, and you would get the winter fuel well, allowance.
15: Well, perhaps I'll go off and book a load of cruises then, and make it go well, below sixty. 000. That's one way of doing but it. I'm not. It, it, basically, to some people, sixty thousand would be a lot of money, but really, in today's climate, it isn't. Well, what are your
0: outgoings? You don't have many. You've, you, I'm assuming. Have you paid off your mortgage? I have. Because well, the, you, I, you don't. You haven't got a mortgage. You, you but Why got... have
15: I done that? How have I done that? But the, the thing
0: is, you haven't got any outgoings. But how have I done that? Well, by selling your house. But you haven't exactly. got. But you haven't got any outgoing, so you don't. I do have outgoings. You haven't got significant ones. You don't go on cruises. You don't have a mortgage. No. You've still got 60, over sixty thousand pounds in the bank. So why should I give you two hundred pounds a year towards your heating when you can obviously I'm afford it? i not anybody
15: to give me anything. But, it exists. But but, but why should and you, you get it? I've worked hard all my life right. to get myself to where I am now. Some people would just spend, spend, spend. I know people who are like that. Yes. That's fine if they want to live their life like that i just like to feel a bit secure and why shouldn't i but final question why do you? Think I haven't got that money no, because okay, I right, was some big no
0: bit, bit high earner. No, no, okay, but, but listen, I feel it's slightly one-sided. But thank you very much for calling in. I appreciate your time. Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five is the phone number. Now we've been hearing this morning about the changes to benefits for disabled people, which are coming in from today. New claimants who would have applied for disability living allowance will now have to be assessed for personal independence payments. We can talk to the organisation which is doing the assessments at ASOS. Their spokesperson is Nick
20: uh, Barry. Good morning, Nick. Good morning. How does the new assessment take place? Um, the assessment will um, take a number of different um, uh, sections, really. What people will be asked to do initially, um, and this is new claims as of next Monday, um, in your particular part of the world, is they will be asked to complete a questionnaire which um, asks questions around how people um, live day by day with the disability that they have. Um, they'll ask be asked then to provide supplementary evidence from GPs, consultants, sighted nurses, to be able to um, uh, add information about how disability affects them, that then will be sent through to ATOS so that the health professionals that we employ are able then to consider all that information to make a judgment as to whether the person will need to be seen face-to-face in one of our local consultation centres, or that the report can go back to DWP at that particular point. They will then make a decision on the entitlement to benefit at that point. We've heard
0: from people, Nick, sorry to interrupt, but uh, uh, we've heard from people th- who've been assessed and have been very unhappy with the result. We've, people that feel they weren't listened to properly. It does sound very
20: cold. Well, um, uh, the, the approach that we're going to be taking for PIP is to make sure that we give people full opportunity to be able to explain what it is that they uh, find difficult in their day-to-day living, how they try to overcome their difficulties, and then a report will be produced that will um, allow the, the DWP to make a decision. Is it a we're point-based treating system? treating people individually, um, and we're looking at their disabilities holistically. Is so, it a point-based uh, system? Uh, it is a point-based system. Is that
0: thing. fair to tick boxes and award points for, for, for people's
20: disabilities? Well, that, that's a decision that's been made by the the DWP. But what do you think? Do you I think us that's fair? To not award any of the points at all. What we're doing is gathering as much information as we possibly can about how people's disability affects their lives. But do you think it's fair? Um, it's, it's not something for me to have a judgment on. What we've asked to do is to apply certain criteria, and then the DWP make a decision as to whether the it's, person's entitled to benefit. It's or all
0: life. about saving money, isn't it? So,
20: so there will be people
0: who, who lose
20: benefits who feel that they're entitled to them. Uh, well, that, that's a decision um, that is taken by the DWP. Atos what's, what's um, opinion, do not Nick? take these decisions, and neither are we targeted within our contract to be able to take people off benefit or remove benefit. And you, couldn't,
0: you couldn't express an opinion on either of those things?
20: Um, no, not really, because I think right, it's, it's right. a decision that's made by the department. We're under contract to the department to carry out a sensitive and professional service so that people have the opportunity to It doesn't um, sound very sensitive. That's the
0: thing, th- Nick. It doesn't sound very sensitive. As, as someone whose mother uh, did get uh, the DLA, and, and we'll be navigating the pips, I know how uh, terrified she was, even though she was very, very ill, how terrified she was every time she has to be assessed and it does just Mm -hmm. sound very very cold nick it does sound very
2: heartless
20: Well, I'm sorry if it comes across like that. Um, What we're trying to do is provide a service that does take into account uh, individual needs, and we are fully aware how anxious people will be having to go through um, an assessment process. What we're trying to do is to make sure that that service is provided in a professional and respectful way, um, and all our staff, um, practitioners and non-practitioners, have been trained to take that into account. When you get feedback from people, do they they say that you've you've been sensitive? Um, Many, many people do. Um, There are some people who obviously have a different opinion, um, and what we try to do is react upon that feedback and make changes where necessary. Uh, And what would you say to those people who are concerned that uh, they're going to lose their benefits? Well, um, what we will need to do is make sure that they 're given every opportunity to be able to explain how their disability affects their day to day living, um, that they're able to come to a consultation center that it is is local and familiar for them, um, and that we make this as, as least stressful as possible for them and that 's what I uh, expect my staff to be able to do.
0: Nick, thank you very much indeed it 's uh, Nick Barry
2: uh, from Asos. <laughs> Call 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. <laughs> Opera, innit? Uh, morning, this is Ian lee Watts. BBC Three Counties Radio. Here
0: every weekday morning between 6 and 9. I say every weekday morning. I may be having one or two days off this week. But don't panic. Don't panic, Mr Mannering. Justin Dealey will be filling in for me. How cool is that? Well, I know, but it's the best we could get at short notice. Uh, coming up between now and nine o'clock, more on uh, the Luton and Dunstable Hospital, and also busk or beg. It's the big question of the morning: quitting your pocket, do you give it to a busker or do you give it to a beggar? And wealthy older people should they get the winter fuel allowance? Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five is the telephone number if you want to give us a call. An audit undertaken at Luton and Dunstable Hospital in the first three months of this year has highlighted problems with procedure whilst discharging patients. Amongst the failings found by the report were two patients being sent home with cannulas still in their arms and a patient with dementia being sent home without the family being made aware. The concerns raised in the audit are currently being addressed and the hospital is in the process of hiring nine more discharge officers. Earlier on, I spoke to Karen Ward, Director of Operations at Luton and Dunstable Hospital. She says, staff involved in these incidents have been retrained.
14: We're really sorry that those things happen and obviously we don't want any mistakes to happen and that is about getting these procedures right and the mechanisms there to make sure that we check everything and double check everything and that we minimise or eliminate any of these problems happening.
0: Well joining me now is Roger Goss, co-director of Patients Concern, a watchdog group for patients. Good morning Roger. Good morning. Uh, Is poor treatment whilst being discharged from hospital something you
9: come across Often? I wouldn't say often, but we've come across it quite a lot. The problem is, hospitals are under great pressure to get people in and out as fast as possible because they've got more uh, patients than they can really cope with the result of that is that people rush the procedure of getting rid of people and uh, the worse than that sometimes they're out so fast that within a week they're back in again with complications and they're so ill they can't have the complications put right so the procedure of rushing people out is actually counter
0: You talk about rushing out. We've heard uh, of several instances of people being left with cannulas left in, and that, 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 I guess, is an obvious side effect of of the rush system.
9: I would have thought so, and I don't know the details, uh, not being medically qualified, of whether you can do that if, for example, the patient, when they go home, is going to have a district nurse coming in once or twice a day. Maybe it's all right in those circumstances. But if you're just pushing people out to fend for themselves, with or without carers, then I would have thought that was a very bad thing to do.
0: And and that one, it's comparatively small, and I guess these things sometimes happen, but another instance uh, we heard about was a patient with dementia being sent home without the family being made aware. I, I, I struggle to understand how something like that could happen.
9: Well, that's part of a much bigger issue and problem, which is uh, the concern that staff often have about confidentiality. Their relationship is strictly with the patient, and therefore we've often had cases of people complaining that they couldn't find out what medication people were when they were sent home and they were dependent on uh, their carer 24 hours of course if the patient has dementia then you can't communicate with them anyway so you're actually not communicating with anybody
0: Roger what can hospitals do to ensure these kind of mistakes aren't repeated
9: ideally They should have more beds. I know the current wisdom is that hospitals are a dangerous place, and that's true because of uh, infections and things going wrong. But in relation to the ageing population and they getting cleverer at what they do and being able to do more things, I think they actually need more beds.
0: What should a family uh, uh, expect or, or a patient expect when they're being discharged?
9: They should expect to be fully briefed on the condition of the patient, what sort of things might happen that would be cause for concern, and they ought to call up and ask for advice. They should have all the details of any medication the person uh, is going to have to take, when they should take it, and how they should take it. Those are the kind of things.
0: If someone is unhappy with the treatment they've received uh, in hospital, how can they complain?
9: They can uh, complain to the hospital. We always advise, regardless of the official procedures, to complain directly to the chief executive so that you at least get the attention of the top person. Of course, they'll pass it down the line quite often, but nonetheless, you've got in at the top. And the second thing we advise people to do is make sure that they encapsulate their... uh, complaint on one side of A4. It's awfully tempting for people to dot every I and cross every T, and it ends up 20 pages. And if you're confronted with that in the uh, post or on email, you're turned off immediately, and you think, oh, I can't be bothered to cope with this. Short and concise and to the point. Absolutely. And if you're not good at that, and many people are not good at that, because many people can get through life with never writing a letter at all, see somebody like the Citizens Advice Bureau and ask their advice. They'll probably help you.
0: Roger, I appreciate your time this morning. That's Roger Goss, who is co director of Patients Concern.
1: Across beds, hearts, and bucks.
2: This is Ian Lee,
1: BBC Three Counties Radio.
0: Oh, here we go. We've got uh, an email from Gillian uh, about winter fuel allowances. Ian, I use my £200 winter fuel allowance to pay 10% of my council tax. That money then pays a little bit towards the massive pension bill the council have for employee and retired. My other thought is that the £200 is part of the state pension, really. Although I would not agree with it, if you're going to take £200 off the wealthy pensioners, then the logical conclusion is you should take all the state pension off them. Finally, it's interesting to know what wealthy is. Some are living on £100... £100 Eighty pounds a week would think that someone with twenty-five thousand pounds pension are wealthy. Enjoying your program, Jelly. Thank you, Jelly. Well, it, it, wealthy is one of those kind of fluid terms, isn't it? That doesn't really mean anything. We have to sort of guess and, and pick an arbitrary figure. I've, I've picked the figure of sixty thousand pounds. I've plucked it out of the sky because I, I, I think if you had sixty grand in the bank, uh, you weren't paying your mortgage, you didn't have many outgoings, particularly, you could kind of live on that quite well and then when you drop below sixty thousand pounds then you would be reassessed and um maybe you could start getting the winter fuel allowance it does seem odd that some people like tony who we heard earlier in the show gets his winter fuel allowance he uses it to fix his fountain in his back garden little waterfall little water feature tony's got and his winter fuel allowance fixes it that's not right is it really that's not right to be giving that money to someone to fix their water feature that's inappropriate, isn't it? Oh, 08459 five, 455 double, 555. Double, busking. We've yet to find a decent busker. We've got 18 minutes. It's not going to happen. The reason we're talking about this is, is Justin Dealey waded into a bit of argy bargy on the streets of Luton the other night. Uh, a busker arguing with a beggar. And it brings up the question you've got a pound in your pocket. Who do you give it to? The busker or the beggar? Lynn's in Hazelmay. Morning, Lynn. Good morning. Lynn, who would you give the pound
5: to?
1: Um, probably the busker now, because we had a bit of a um, an experience with a, um, beggars.
5: Oh.
1: Um, we were in Aylesbury a couple of years ago now, yeah. and um, we always used to see this same guy and always put money in his, you know, hat, etc. Or I always used to offer to buy him a sandwich or a drink, but he always used to say, no, no money. Yeah. And I always used to think that was funny, because you can also do the suspended coffee, you know, in the coffee shops. For,
0: a for suspended homes. coffee?
1: Yeah, you can... If when you go in and have a coffee, yes. you give them extra money so that uh, the homeless person can go in and get a coffee. Um, they do it in America. They do it everywhere now.
0: Do they? have never heard yeah. of a suspended coffee before. That's interesting. Yeah, okay. yeah
1: they do. Yeah, you, right. can, like, you can buy them a sandwich or a biscuit or a cake or whatever. Oh, yeah. So they can go in like you know everybody else and have a coffee. Yeah. So that's what I would do now. But um, we were going back to the car park and with uh, we shopping... And in front of us was the was the beggar, and they got in a better car than we did, so <laughs> I'm a bit more careful now, so I'd probably put the money in with the buskers.
0: Hang on a minute, sorry. The the beggar got into a better car than what, and drove off? Yeah. And was yeah. driving it? Yes. It was their car?
1: Yes. Well, how, how exactly. did,
0: what, what car was it?
1: It was a it was a four-by-four, four, wasn't it? <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah, it was a long time ago.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I can't remember. Uh, yeah, I didn't I phone up the radio. You did. You get the story straight, Lynn, for goodness <laughs> sakes.
1: Yeah, but he really got in a better car than we have.
0: You do hear stories, don't you? And I always thought they were maybe slightly uh, m- uh, mythical of, of beggars who would would, um, would beg, like this gentleman, and then would, would strip off, and underneath they got a really expensive suit and jump into a car. But you're saying well, this no, actually it, happened?
1: Uh, yeah, it did actually happen. It well. was in the, the Hundreds car park in Aylesbury.
0: Well, that's and, um
1: Yeah, it was naughty, and that really changed my thinking then.
0: But buskers, though, Lynn, buskers are... They're flipping well, rubbish, are aren't okay. they?
1: There was a really good guy, actually... St- I mean, it takes a lot to get up and start singing or playing in front of people. Yeah. There was a brilliant guy the other day in Aylesbury. He was singing, and he was brilliant, so I put money in his pocket. What,
0: what? Was he singing Acapulco. Sorry? Who's that fella in the background? Is that your husband? Oh, that's
1: my husband, yeah. So what's his
0: name? Darryl. Darryl? Darryl? Darryl said, Daryl. shut up, mate, I'm talking to Lynn. Yeah, he said shut up, he's
1: talking
0: to me. That's <laughs> no, worked, good.
1: Sorry, it has, yeah. well, So
0: well, he, was, well, he was just singing on his own, was he?
1: Yes. What, what, what was he singing? Bob Marley? No, he was singing, <clears throat> well, he was just singing all sorts of different songs. Okay. I'm not up on the really modern stuff, but yeah, he was singing. Yeah, it was really good. <sighs> Darryl? <laughs> he's Charming.
0: Lynn, <laughs> listen, me to talk to you next time. Can you, can you do it in a different room from Darren? Yeah, do, yeah,
1: definitely. I,
0: I, I think you can do better than him, Lynn. I really <laughs> Thank do. Thank you, you for being really a good sport, Lynn. Take care. Well, Justin Dealey is a one-man broadcasting machine. He, he treads where angels fear to go. That quote's wrong, but it doesn't really matter because the point is still valid. Justin, what did you see happening the other day?
7: It was all kicking off in uh, Lucentown Centre between a busker and and a beggar. Um, I couldn't quite believe what I was seeing, but uh, these two... It
0: does sound fantastic.
7: (laughs) It was very, very bizarre, but um, it was quite a heated row. Um, The homeless man was saying to the busker, look, this is my space, okay, I have got no house. You have and you're here taking my space. These people walking past, these are my customers and not yours. And to a certain point, you kind of think, well, yeah, he, he may have a point there, but these two people, of course, they are doing something illegal. You've got somebody begging on the streets and you've got somebody who is an unlicensed busker as well, trying to take money. Now, the man in question, the homeless man, was Anthony Grant. I spoke to him. He was uh, homeless for seven months. He told me why he was homeless and why he's so angry with these buskers.
8: Why should they be? I mean, I'm, I'm not doing nothing right. I don't, I'm not asking for anything, that anyone, as in pretending I'm something I'm not. Do you know what I mean? When they're pretending they aren't. Yeah. They, they, they have a house. Well, why should they? Why should they People allowed to do that why well, quite i 'll well, have their house and they can do this what i mean oh, I'm quite happily i 'll have their house i 'd love to be able to have their house
0: now, justin. Uh, that wouldn't be enough for us just for you to have that bit of audio I'm hoping that you went out on the street and asked people what they thought about it
7: that's exactly what I've done Um, uh, these two people who would you give the money to is the the kind of moral debate for a Monday morning would you give the money to a busker or would you give your money to the beggar Um, so I've been in Ludeson I've been asking people that very question and this is what people have had to say
15: busker because they're working for their living they're just sitting on their backsides a beggar They've always got money.
7: The buskers have always yeah, got money? they
15: have. A homeless person would be anyone. It's a difficult one, but I think I'd go for a busker because they're trying to get work and they're doing something. They're not just standing
3: there with a handout. A beggar. It's just everybody's circumstances is different. I just feel that way. They're homeless, they need something to eat. Mm. A busker for me most probably has somewhere to go You've like a beggar that's got nowhere to go nobody to talk to
7: scott for yourself personally you would prefer to give your money to a homeless man can yes. you tell us why um just because i've been homeless myself
12: and uh you know obviously that homeless man hasn't got the opportunity to busk so i would rather give the money to someone that you know is in a more desperate, desperate situation if that guy can busk he's obviously he, or, you know he's, he's got something he can do to actually maybe get him out of that situation yeah. it depends
7: because if you give it to like a beggar it depends what he's going to do with it, basically. Isn't it? If if you know he's going to spend it on alcohol, oh, no. would you not give it to him? Nah, no. nah, no, I would. I'll give it to the busker. All
0: you get, Justin, when you hear buskers,
7: <laughs> "No Woman, No Cry," or a Bob Dylan song.
2: No <laughs> <one man laughs>
0: I'll That's for goodness sakes, man. It's not bad for you, actually. Thank you. I don't (laughs) want to hear um, blooming Bob Marley singing No Woman or Cry. I don't want to hear some white 23-year-old specky (laughs) nerd in glasses singing outside a shopping centre.
7: See, I was practising last night in the bath. I thought, you know what? If I was a busker, what would I sing? Let me think. My favourite album, Phil Collins, No Jacket Required. Billy, Don't You Lose My Number. Oh, now, Billy. Billy, don't you lose my number. You pay pound for that, wouldn't you? I would, I would literally pay a pound for you to never speak to me <laughs>
0: ever again. You're <laughs> hoping this story is going to get picked up by Mark Forrest tonight ah, yes, on the National... Yes.
7: But it's, a, it's an interesting debate. When have you ever seen a row between a busker no. and a beggar over mm. who owns that space, over who has the right to get people's money? What was interesting in, in uh, those
0: voxes uh, that you got there is earlier on it was people saying, oh, I'll give it to the busker. There were more people then saying they'd give it to the beggar because they're on uh, perhaps a harder situation.
7: Yeah, I mean, I think I think personally, I think I would... I give my money to the homeless man. But, again, every situation is different. Anthony told us that that he is not an alcoholic, he doesn't drink, um, he's not a drug addict, he doesn't spend his money on drugs. What he's trying to do, he knows what he's doing is wrong, he knows what he's doing is illegal, but as far as he's concerned, he is left with no option. He needs to go out to, to get some money to eat and to hopefully stay in a hotel. Now, who wouldn't give their money to a man like that? And he makes the point, these other people that are busking, they live in a house. I don't, I'm here simply trying to survive.
0: Uh, Justin, listen, I'm I- I in today, I'm in tomorrow, then I believe you're filling for me Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Monday next week. Yeah, it should be a high-quality programme well, for once, ca- yeah. Well, can I just ask you not to leave the show in the mess you left it in last time you what? covered for me? What, with more listeners, you mean? Yeah? Well, I, I was getting... People were, were still booing you when I came yeah. back. <laughs> That's not what I heard. So, just, just listen, I'm going to write you some notes. Yeah. I'll write some notes today and give them to you tomorrow. Just, just you know, just don't be offensive. Yeah. Um, don't be as rude as you are, yeah. try and not to sound as common as you
7: are, just, we, I've really sorry, raised... were are you talking about me there, or yourself? I've really raised the level of the show of the last eight months, you, and I just don't want you to dash it. Who's, um, who's the source on that? Who says that you've raised the level?
0: I cannot... Who, who's rever- the source? OK, I'm going to cut you off now, Justin, because I think you're being cheeky. Mm-hmm. There we go. Uh, I, and I, I can only apologise in advance for, for the, uh, the broadcasting experience you will be getting Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Monday of next week. I'm sorry. And two weeks in August. I'm sorry i know i know david prever was unavailable so we, we, we got Deely uh, instead should we have a quick look oh look! let's quickly do the facebook comments because lots of you have been on facebook this morning the, you can continue the conversation on the facebook page after we finish the show as well i do have a little look at uh, all of them we've been asking uh would you give the quid to the busker or would you give uh, the quid to a beggar um what have we got here adrian says neither they should both get a job well it, it's if only life were that easy If only that were uh, a life, were that easy. James Sharp, there's a short video of a song that I wrote uh, on the Facebook page. page. And James says, could this song be used as a new interrogation tool? I bet people would say anything to make it stop. Well, that's just rude. And it does not encourage creativity. Adam Glynn, the travel gentleman, says, I don't think I've ever heard a better seven seconds of improvised guitar since. It's uh, it's so hypnotic. I've left it on repeat to play through at least uh, five times um so most of you kind of going with the busker you'd give it to the busker some of you saying the beggar but most of you giving it to the busker let's have a look at some of the front pages before we hand over to jvs shall we oh my goodness what is that that is disgust i know it's for charity mary curie good charity excellent charity but that is disgusting front page of the guardian which is very thin today not much happening nearly 100 naked fundraisers i hate naked people Take to the water at Oxwich Bay in Gower, South Wales, for yesterday's Marie Curie charity skinny dip. The the kind of people you see naked, they've got very unflattering bodies, haven't they, generally? very, And without meaning to be rude, they're doing it for a great cause. Congratulations, well done, but... I mean, that fella at the back, flippin' heck. Uh, and ministers race to change uh, rules as lobbying scandals sit home. There's a front page of the story. I'm going to say this once. If you've got young people in, in your car, or listen, it says fingers in ears. Fingers in ears. It's the front page of, a, of a, a respectable newspaper. Oral sex caused throat cancer that nearly killed me, says Douglas. I've said it once, and I'm not going to say it again. Don't panic. But, but Michael Douglas is saying he has throat cancer because of. Activities that him and Catherine Zeta-Jones may have enjoyed in their palatial Hollywood bedroom makes makes you makes sick, doesn't it? There's a bad taste in my mouth, that kind of story. The Independent. Uh, constitutional crisis looms if Lords reject gay marriage plan. The government could be plunged into a constitutional crisis if members of the House of Lords reject plans for gay marriage this week, A senior peer uh, has uh, warned. And there's again a picture of Catherine... Uh, not Catherine's I'm obsessed now. Angelina Jolie and Brad Pitt. Daily Telegraph. Picture of Angelina Jolie at the Premier of World War Z. It's a Z, not a Z. We are British. Uh, Clegg pledges law to sweep sleaze out of Parliament... Um, and Labour. We would axe winter fuel payments for richer pensions. Don't forget that JVS will be talking about that a bit later on. Uh, the Times. Peers face expulsion in move to end sleaze and revenue in crackdown on unpaid internships. Nine companies have been forced to pay out almost £200,000 to interns who were required to work without payment after investigation. Um, oh, look, and there's, a, there's an interview with Reese Ifans where apparently he's rude. I'll take that home with me and read that later on. Yes. Um, the Daily Express. Migrants face new ban on benefits. Um, and The Express has got something to do with breast cancer and the sun. we will arrest to Lisa, says cops. Well, there you go. That's it. I'm back
2: tomorrow bright and early at six o'clock. Don't forget to download the podcast. JBS is up next. Until tomorrow, ta-ta. On FM, AM, online and digital radio.
6: This is BBC's Three Counties Radio.
15: Thank you, Ian.